What's up, players? Welcome to One Game at a Time, the podcast where we pick one video game from our vast backlogs, play through it, then meet to discuss it, review it, and deep dive into the story, one game at a time. If you haven't played it yet, don't fret. The first part of our conversation is always spoiler-free, and we'll give you a heads up before that changes. Today's show is about the 2020 game Ghost of Tsushima. Now let's get started. You know, Dan, I actually went out of my way to boot up the game today for 20 minutes. And oh, did you? I got the platinum. Oh, really? Oh, congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. So there's applause. <laughs> I wish I had like a, maybe I'll add a, an applause sound effect here later in, in post, but I probably won't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be like one of those like the standing ovation, like the, the very loud, loud, boisterous applause, you know? Like, nice. Yeah. Nice. The kind where people throw flowers, like roses on the stage kind of stuff. Like that applause sound effect. You need that one. Right. So uh, you, I'm guessing you think Ghost of Tsushima, therefore, is a game worthy of a, of a platinum. <laughs> you right. know, I actually, I did it in one playthrough. Just one playthrough. Managed to get mm-hmm. the platinum. Uh, no new game plus. No playing with the multiplayer. Although, those are separate trophy lists, like the multiplayer yes. stuff. And I'm glad it doesn't, ca- it doesn't count towards the platinum, you know? So, like, I managed yeah. to only play just the single-player campaign. No expansion, no nothing. Just, I just did it. And I got to say, like, this is, like, what is this? Like, my fourth platinum in my entire, mm-hmm. like, ever. So, it's it's obviously something that I found feasible. Yes. Yeah, I think it was pretty fair. I, I actually so. think a lot of the, excuse me, a lot of the Sony first-party games are like that, where... Um, especially the more recent ones. I think it's something they got better at over time, where if you just kind of play the game naturally, but then you also have like sort of like a completionist approach to it where you're trying to do all the quests and stuff like that, you usually finish the game and you have like 70 to 80% of the trophies, right? So then it kind of becomes a matter of like, do you want to sit down and pursue those final few ones, right? Like get the final collectibles or do something goofy or whatever. And uh, and then it's usually achievable, and that's why I have managed to get um, a few platinums before. I mean, I don't even remember now, but I I feel like I must have gotten it from for Spider Man at least. Maybe I got it for Horizon, um, but I'm not so certain actually. I I'd probably have to look at the list because I'm I'm blanking on it now. But I've definitely gotten it for a few, as opposed to like something like Shadow of the Tomb Raider, where I completed the game and I got everything there was to get at it. And I really wanted to get the platinum, but I had to like beat the game at the hardest freaking difficulty to get that. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I tried that for a bit, and I was like, ah, no, I don't, I don't want to punish myself in this way. Yeah, um, I don't know if like di- like that's I guess like that's a whole separate conversation about like trophies and stuff like that and achievements. But like, I think that when it comes to like certain things that are just too hardcore, I don't think they should be made into achievements. Like, for instance, I never perf- I never got the full achievements for Ori and the Blind Forest because some of those achievements were like speedrunning achievements, were like right. beat the game in five hours or something like that, or beat the game without dying or something like like it's just no, it's just too much. Like I can't. You're talking about doing a perfect run in a, on a really long game without dying. It's like, it's not feasible for your average gamer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think it, that needs to, there needs to be a certain level of fairness to it. Yeah, it's almost like certain, it's like certain trophy lists are targeted at a, at like a very hardcore, um, 
almost like pro player of the game right that's kind yeah. of the idea somebody that's actually gonna master that game um almost like somebody would for like a you know like an esports title or something <laughs> and and then yeah. meanwhile other you know trophy lists the ones that are much more achievable they're less about mastering the game and more about doing everything there is to do in the game yeah right and i, yeah. I kind of tend to like those better um We'll we'll maybe get into a little bit more of that. Um, let me get started here with some game facts about Ghost of Tsushima, something that we always do uh, in this particular show. This game was released on July 17th, 2020 for the PlayStation 4. Uh, a year later, on August 20th, uh, 2021, it was released for the PlayStation 5 on, I believe, the Director's Cut. Uh, edition. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between the two versions of the game as well because I got to experience uh, that. Uh, it is an action adventure game. Uh, I don't think it's available on PC yet, so I think it's only on uh, PS4 and PS5, a PlayStation exclusive. They should do the hat trick and make a 2022 PC release date uh, release, so that way you have a 2020 game, a 2021 game, and a 2022 game, like eligible three years in a row for game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I could see uh I could totally see that happening. By the way, I think that we are gonna get this uh we are gonna get this game on PC soon. I I think this is probably the next one, right? We got uh we already got Horizon, we got already got Spider Man, we already got God of War, we got Uncharted recently. That's trending. Um, I think we're Ghost of Tsushima is probably like next is, on the dock. <laughs> next on the dock to happen within the next twelve months. I'll say, um, but we'll see. Especially if it ties into an announcement of a sequel, which could potentially be happening as well. I mean, the game came out two years ago now, right? Which which comes out first, uh, Ghost of Tsushima on uh, PC or The Last of Us Part One on PC? Mm, good question. Um, I'm guessing Part One, uh, just because it's like I know that it's a newer game, as in and like it's the, in development. We know that, yeah, yeah. but it's uh. You know, they already talked about how they're developing it. It's been announced that it's going to come to PC. And uh, it, like I said, it's it's a new version of the game. But the game itself is what I was going to get to is, is old, right? It's like a 2013 game. So I feel like there's less, in my opinion, there's less incentive to want to keep it closed off on the PS5. I actually think that that game would benefit the most from releasing on PC because the original Last of Us is not on PC, right? Right. So PC players have never played The Last of Us, period. So, yeah, I, I think we would get that on PC next year, and then we're going to get Ghost on PC next year as well, and um, that's probably kind of the direction that they're going. But um, as far as the length, right, uh, this game on how long, how long to be says 25 hours for the main story and 61 hours for completionist. Uh, <gasps> this that's feels pretty... exactly, that's so accurate. I did yeah. 60 hours and 20 minutes, so that's, damn, that's, yeah, they're so accurate pretty accurate yeah i i completed the game at 58 hours and uh i'll tell you how what i did is that i i did the entire main story i did all of the the mongol camps basically like these like bandit camps that you can clear right like i did all of those i did all of the side quests and i did all of the mythic quests as well but i did yeah. not go through and do every single um kind of like the easy stuff actually like every single uh fox den and uh like haiku there's like a few of those that i have missing i have like 90 percent of them but i didn't do all of those so really what i would probably need is just an extra like hour or two or three with the game and i could probably like complete all of those little things and uh 
and get there. And so since I'm at 58, that kind of seems to match up with that as well. So that's actually pretty accurate. Um, now, obviously, the the game was uh, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. We already talked about how it was developed uh, by Sucker Punch Productions, who are the developers of the infamous series of games. You know, it just realized that infamous Second Son was my very first Platinum. So it's oh. like the two games, the two main games, like there's only been two uh, types of games that I have platinumed. Sucker Punch games and Telltale games. Interesting. <laughs> so, Interesting. Yeah. You do, uh, you do have like kind of like a standard there. That's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, you know, they developed the infamous series between uh, the original one in 2009 and then Second Son in 2014. Uh, six years later, they released Ghost. Back in the day, they were also the original developers of the Sly Cooper series, Sly 1, 2, and 3. Uh, so that's the pedigree of the studio, pretty much. They haven't uh, they haven't done much else other than that. Uh, they were founded and, 24, hours, 24 years ago. And no spoilers for the game, but there are cosmetic items where you can dress up your samurai character in, like, the Sly Cooper or Second <laughs> Son or infamous characters or... Uh, there was another one that they could, there was like another characters that they did, but yeah, they're basically like little homages, right? Like little Easter wink. eggs. Yeah. Wink, wink kind of stuff. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Um, now Louis, enough of the game facts for now, just overall, like, you know, before we get into spoilers, of course, we always do kind of a, a non a spoiler free review of the game. Um, and I think we can, we can get into it for, for a bit here for maybe like 10 minutes or so um so so what do you think what do you what do you what do you have to say about ghost of tsushima the game is uh the game is for me it's well paced like i am uh i i have like this personality this ocd personality where i want to play the game and don't want to take all the boxes and stuff like that but mm-hmm. for some odd reason playing this game it did not feel like a chore to me i wanted to do it i had a good time doing it I thoroughly enjoyed the game, and I was gonna. I was coming into this uh, singing the high horses, the high praises for this uh, game, and then I did. We did Ready Press Play a couple weeks ago, and I brought it into our our best games of all time list, and then you knocked it down a peg or two uh, for me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was either way. I'm still I'm still um, loving the game. I think that this game deserved all the pedigree that it got, and then some. Um, I think. Wasn't 2020 like a stacked year? I, I can't remember what else came out in 2020, but I feel like I don't remember this game winning any Game of the Year awards. Uh, I know it was like nominated, but like I just yeah. don't think they're in a, in like a, in, a, in another year it would have won. You know that kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know what else to say other than I liked the, I, I liked some of the side missions. I will get into that later, but like some of them were were like they they kind of stick with me. Uh, there's always there's like an overarching theme and motifs that are going on with these uh, mission structures, which we'll get into later. And uh, and yeah, um, I'll tell you the the game of the year nominees for 2020 on the Game Awards at least were Hades, Ghost of Tsushima, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Doom Eternal, Animal Crossing: New Horizons, uh, and of course the winner, which we don't need to get into this but for <laughs> yeah. the sake for the sake of the information, The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a pretty. Uh, it, it was generally considered a, a pretty stacked year, even though there were a lot of games. There were even more games that were expected to come out that year that ended up getting delayed to twenty one, and then some got delayed to twenty two, and some <laughs> got delayed again. It's like we we actually at one point we expected Breath of the Wild two to come out that year. Um, the year <laughs> and that Halo we, Infinite too, as and well. Halo Infinite and stuff. Yeah, it was the year that we started. Uh, that we started doing the 
during, during the podcast. Um, so, so here's what I remember actually when it comes to the reception of uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I remember that it was generally well received and 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 critically acclaimed to an extent, but not to the same level as some of the other like Sony games or Nintendo games do. Sometimes it wasn't quite at that like you know ninety plus kind of caliber to the point where if you look at like Metacritic, their Metascore uh, sits at an eighty three. But interesting. However, however, the fan base, kind of like the the let's call them the the, the gamers, right? Whatever else, however else you wanna. You want to call them the the, the non critic fan base uh, saw the game much high, more highly than that and actually rated it higher. So uh, Lewis and I, I think we did a thing after we talked about it on Ready Press Play where I looked at uh, Ghost Horizon uh, and Spider Man because we we're discussing oh, yeah. the positioning of these three on the list on Metacritic and Metascore. Ghost had the the lowest score, but user score it had the highest. Yes. Um, so. And just to, just to piggyback off of that, I actually do vividly remember Twitter in 2020, and my Twitter timeline was filled with people singing the praises of this game and and showing screenshots of how gorgeous and beautiful it looked and stuff like that. And it was one of those kind of like examples that you say you see whenever like uh, you know the best games of a generation comes out towards the end, or at least the best looking games of a generation. Yes, comes out at the end of a hardware's life cycle because you know, like the hardware is being maximized to its fullest by the developers and stuff like that. You yeah. see that with late NES games, late Super Nintendo games, so on and so forth, where like you're just extracting the most out of the hardware. Mm-hmm. And um, there, you know, there's there's something to be said that maybe you can, maybe there was more to be uh, to be extracted, but then we moved on, you know, to the PS5, mm-hmm. and now the same climb has to start over again from the beginning. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to share my spoiler-free uh, opinions of the game, and I, I, I didn't get too into it on the on the podcast, on the Ready Press Play episode when we added it to the list. Uh, but first, I want to get something out of the way, which is that I love this game. I had so much fun playing it. Um, I think it has a lot of things that it did really well, uh, and I think it deserves its praises. It deserves to be played. Um, I think it's up there in you know the top games of the generation, top games of placed on the PS4 and stuff like that. And I really think it was a nice like swan song to the PS4 in a way. So all of that is true, and and I'll probably rate this game a nine out of ten or something like that. But I also want to have like a critical perspective and be able to talk about maybe things that I thought that they didn't go as well, or like maybe that I wish that they had done differently or whatever. Um, and, and because of that, at certain points, I may kind of counter argue things or bring up like, well, you know, I didn't like this or whatever, but that doesn't mean I don't like the game. I just like, I I'm only bringing them up because those are things that caught my attention or that I, uh, that I paid attention to, um, from a visual perspective, this game is absolutely gorgeous. It was already gorgeous on the PlayStation four version. They do this thing where they, uh, you know, hide a lot of the HUD. The HUD is very contextual. It's only on screen when it's relevant and when you need it. Uh, and at times I felt like that was a little bit of a gimmick because in some moments I did wish I had a little bit more HUD than I did. But in other times when you're just kind of riding your horse through like the beautiful open field and there's like, you see the wind floating around and stuff. And it was just like very cathartic and beautiful to see. Um, and that got elevated when I switched halfway through playing this game. I bought a PS5 as I talked about in Ready Press Play and I switched to the I upgraded that I had to like upgrade my save to like a PS5 a director's cut version and stuff and then I I switched to playing that game so that that version solely on the PS5 from that point on 
And I expected it was going to be one of those things where I would like turn it on and be like, oh yeah, it's, you know, it looks a little up or whatever. It's a little nicer, but it was, it was even more pretty than it was before. It was like, I was impressed. Like I turned it on and I was immediately like, wow, like this looks Aww. next gen. Um, oh man, I'm just, so, like, I'm just so like jealous right now because like I was so cheap. I didn't like, I didn't pony up the $30 to upgrade. Um, you're you're gonna yeah. get even more jealous, Lewis, when I tell you that the director's cut version of the game is included in the PS Plus premium tier, so I didn't have to pay for it either. <laughs> I just downloaded it. <laughs> of course you did. You know, I, I still haven't even bought PS Plus premium, but I am going to oh. for the next game on the li- on our on our thing. I was gonna okay. do it anyways. I was just I'm just too much of a bitch anyway when it comes to like <laughs> like wanting to shell out money. But yeah. You know, and I, I don't know how different it is from like, you know, maybe if you just play the PS4 version on the PS5, I'm sure that that still also does certain like things to it as well. It, it emulates, it emulates the PS4 Pro. So mm-hmm. I did get, I think I put it on, uh, I put it on resolution mode. And so I was getting 4K, but like, you know, it's not real 4K. It's, it's that, it's that like yeah. upscaled 4K and, uh. You know, I didn't get the full 60 frames. I did see like a YouTube video of it running at 60 and it's cool. It looked badass, but like, I didn't, I don't know. Like I just sort of like convinced myself that I, I that, you know, I'm not missing out. <laughs> so yeah. It's how I did it. And, and, and here's the thing. I will tell you, it's not like you're missing anything because I was unaware of it, like for like halfway through the game and I didn't feel like I was missing anything. Right. And it was when I turned it on, on the director's cut that it was, it was the, the, graphical effects right and the the high resolution and stuff like that but then especially the frame rate it was like the the smoother frame rate with the way like how action heavy this game is it was just like oh it was it was all like buttery smooth too like i'm one of those people that don't care about these things but i feel like maybe i don't care about them because i haven't experienced it enough (laughs) because the moment that i like turned it on i was like oh this feels so nice i can't go back basically i was like i'm just gonna play this version now and it's good because at one point I did try it because I wanted to see if I could do it and I couldn't figure out a way to bring the save back down to the basically yeah. downgraded to the PS4 version. I um, um I actually um well, there was an option to select like frame rate and I did select it for like a few minutes. Uh the frame rate looks pretty decent and stuff like that, but like I just didn't like the the down the downgrade in visuals. So I just chose like I yes. deliberately chose visuals over over the frame rate for myself and i did want to mention and this happened to me i think in both versions of the game that i did experience a few graphical glitches while playing the game uh random moments but like literally you know you're in the middle of a mission or something and out of nowhere like resolution drops like Mm. suddenly or like effect drops like shadows are gone or something and it didn't have it wasn't obviously i played the game for 60 hours it wasn't significant but there were at least, you know, four or five, five times during my playthrough where that happened. Um, and it was like for a short period of time, you know, whenever it reloaded, like loaded the next cutscene or a fast travel or something it would fix it. But it was like some weird, like there was some weirdness that I saw happen with the visuals in a few. Did it happen on the director's cut or did it only happen on the PS4 version? Um... I actually can't remember now. I definitely definitely happened in the PS4 version. I can't remember if I got to see it happen on the director's cut as well. 
I, I it um, happened to me too, by the way. Like I even recorded mm-hmm. a video of it. Like I took a I used the share button to record the last like sixty seconds. Um, it did happen to me at least once for sure where I actually recorded it, and then maybe maybe like two or three more times where it was like a little weird artifact that I just sort of like ignored and it just sort of went away. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing that I I would like in a sixty one hours of playtime. If I were reviewing this game, maybe I would just mention the one that I recorded, but otherwise mm-hmm. I wouldn't even like mention or even like you know yeah, talk about it, it it didn't significantly impact the experience i just thought it was a little weird it i don't even know how to describe it because it was almost like it was like a slight downgrade out of nowhere it's like you flipped into like you went from like ps4 pro mode to ps4 mode for like a you know <laughs> for a little <laughs> bit when it when it happened so um like you said like a weird artifact i don't know if it was the same thing you saw i should take a look at that video later uh if you still have it um yeah but that's enough for the the graphics for me right for now i wanted to talk about a few other things um gameplay of this game is one of its biggest pros in my opinion i think the combat is excellently like developed and designed it's like it's so fluid i think there's so much depth to the things that you can do i mean there is a lot of you know button meshing and stuff but there's also like sort of like a dance to it right where you're like you know you're you're parrying and countering and 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 using like switching between the different stances as you attack different guys right like i was like constantly like okay like shield guy i'm gonna switch to that stance and then now like you know spear guy i'm gonna switch to that one and then incorporating that with the ghost weapons and being able to you know smoke bomb and you know just fucking assassinate some fuckers and then go and like do something else and just kind of like go in between kind of the samurai style of combat to the ghost style of combat and the the meshing of the two shit chef's kiss i i just loved <laughs> all of that and how it felt it was just so fun to play like even even when i was doing the freaking the final like uh you know mongol camp or whatever i was clearing that i was still just having such a good time and also when you get towards like the the later end of the game it does get easier especially if you're playing it like lewis and i did because you're you know, you're unlocking your entire skill tree and all your abilities and, and, and weapons and stuff. So, like, by the end, you can you can just steamroll some of those. You, <laughs> you can do anything, do anything. Yeah. Uh, But it also, at that point, then it also becomes like this cool power fantasy, right? Where you're just kind of going in and just fucking destroying, mowing these dudes down like they're nothing. Um, So love that. Love that so much. Um, Do, do you want to interject on, on gameplay? Uh, No, I... I... Uh, just wanted to like go back to the visuals real quick. Like, uh, I actually we I went on a trip uh, for vacation, and so I, I packed my PS4, and that was my first time playing the game on PS4. It was during that trip. It was only for that one, I don't know, maybe five hours of gameplay in total, mm-hmm. uh, maybe less. I don't know. But um, during that time, like, it, I don't know how to explain it. Like, and on the one hand, it was like a visual downgrade. Um, but it also wasn't like in a certain sense where like mm-hmm. I was impressed with how, what the PS4 was doing. Like I'll say that. Right. Like o- like overall, like just playing it on the original original hardware, like the basic ass PS4, not even PS4 Pro, but just playing on PS4, it looked good, and I was very happy with it. But I was just so used to seeing it on the PS5, even if it was like you know, even if it was like a, a you know emulating PS4 Pro mode, it was basically like next gen, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the load times. Which by the way. Load times weren't even that bad, even on the PS4. Nice. So, 
Uh, so they managed the, to do they managed to do what Cyberpunk didn't basically. Is what <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like uh, the load times were a little longer, but not that much longer. Like it was like okay, that's it's it's totally like not uh, and not annoying. Uh, I'm glad thing, you uh, real quick. I'm glad you mentioned load times. So I just want to go on that breath real quick. Um, when I switched to the PS5 director's cut version, that was also something that I was like, oh my god, this is incredible because every time I fast traveled instantly. Like, no, not a Damn. second load. Like, instant fast travel. I was like, holy shit. But Damn. anyway, go ahead. I mean, for me, when I fast traveled on the on the uh, the PS5, even if it was emulated, it wasn't instant, but it was, like, three seconds, four seconds. Like, mm-hmm. one of the things that even when, like, loading, booting up the game for the first time from, like, the start menu or whatever, uh, I, I would be annoyed because, like, you can't actually read any of the hints or whatever because it looks yeah. so fast, <laughs> even on the PS5, PS4 version, you know? Um, yeah. So, but at least with the PS4, like, when I was playing it, like, the load times, I was actually reading the text for once that during my during my stay in the hotel. And uh, the only thing that I would say that I truly missed out on, and this is, like, again, this is why I say it's a downgrade, is even though the PS4 can do HDR, like I was traveling at a hotel and I was carrying my, my portable monitor that doesn't do HDR. So like losing out on like color and like seeing mm. like more clarity in the clouds and like, you know, what's the sky? Like there's right the HDR really is the thing that sets it apart. And I that's when I was playing at home. And that's for me, like more important, I guess. So mm-hmm. yeah, like for me, it was that that little step down that was like more irksome. But otherwise, like you know, just um, we how you put it, like all all things considered, like the PS4 original hardware is actually kind of beastly. You know, if mm-hmm. maybe if I played it on an HDR TV or yeah, an HDR compatible, which by the way, the P uh, the 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 PS4 was like uh, trying to get me to calibrate my monitor to support HDR, which it didn't. So I had to go through the steps, but for no reason. But anyways, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, that's all I wanted to say about the visuals. But as far as the gameplay, yes, I gotta, I gotta say that I was a badass in gameplay. I was hitting all my parries. I I'm very good at timing these things. And um, uh, as far as the actual buttons, um, I saw this on a YouTube video, but apparently, like the buttons, like the the stances, are like mapped to like the buttons by the like, on purpose. So, like, if you think about a shield, it's mapped to the circle button because it's like oh, a shield. And if you think about a spear, spear, it's a triangle, right? And then, like, the two swords is a cross, oh, like the X. That's a and that then makes like the, a lot of sense. The big bulkier guys, this is square. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool because I hadn't even uh, I hadn't even thought of that. That's some right. good game design shit right there. Totally, a hundred percent, man, a hundred percent. Um, yeah, I was surprised how they were able to make all the, the inputs for everything so intuitive, you know, like, um, you were, there was, there was enough depth to the combat, but I never like, I never like forgot how to do something. You know what I mean? Like maybe in certain moments, like I didn't play the game for a few weeks and then I got back to it or whatever. Then I, I, maybe there was a little bit of adjusting, but for, for the most part, it was like, I, I kind of dominated the the control scheme and I and I just knew what I and I actually used that's the other thing that I want to compliment this game for is that I pretty much used my entire arsenal and I wanted to ask if that was the case for you too because so many of these games like you unlock like a bunch of shit and then I end up just kind of using like you know like my basics 
Like, I just kind of stick to the basic combat or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's one thing I like to use, and I'll just spam that. But in this one, I actually found myself using the majority... I'm not going to say all, but the majority of the tools that I was given. Like, later on, you get certain things that are, like, really good for, like, the stealth sections, you know. And I would just kind of, like, try to go through those sections, like, using, like, all of my tools and stuff to dispose of uh, of everybody before I, you know, initiate proper combat and stuff like that. Um so yeah, how did you feel about that? I actually did manage to use all all of my tools, like everything, uh, every stance, every weapon, every item. Like I mm. used it all in combat. Like even the late game stuff. There, there is one item that we'll get into during us in the spoiler section that I didn't um, use as much as I mm -hmm. thought I would. Uh, but like I did use it in like very specific circumstances that you know, like where basically i ran out of everything else so I right had to use it. <laughs> like so those yeah. are the, that's like the main thing but like it was never my go-to like it's just that one thing and you would think you would think that it would be busted in op and it probably is but not with me like i think everything else is more op than that so mm -hmm. um otherwise yeah like i think um you're right as far as intuitive combat and stuff like yeah i think every button was used like in more in more ways than one if you think about it very good yeah. use maximizing of the controller but um, for me, I did step away from the game from like two to three weeks, and um, I, it wasn't quite as intuitive, I guess, because I was actually pressing the wrong buttons. And then I mm -hmm. had to like pause the game and just like read the the buttons and stuff just so I can get caught up. And it's gonna be like fifteen minutes to acclimate. So at the very least, even after like being away for so long, like a fifteen twenty minute like mental tutorial, and then you're good to go. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so. Um, so yeah, Dan. I, oh, sorry. Go for it. I know. You, are you? Uh, maybe that's this is what you were about to say. But I know you're probably eager to get into the the spoiler section. Yes, uh, I am. But I'm not quite ready yet. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay. and, and, and that's because it. you know I, I I had these like points in in my head. Right, we talked visuals. It's almost like a level one gaming review. Uh, you know, we, we talked we talked visuals. We talked uh, gameplay. Audio. Uh, there's there's a few <laughs> more things I want to talk about. So audio. I'm I'm gonna keep this short and just say that I I really like it. I think that there's a, there's a lot of moments in the game where you don't quite notice it, um, or it's not you know it's not so much in your face. Um, but the music is very good, very beautiful. I could see myself listening to it outside of the game. It fits the entire theme of everything. Um, I love the ending song, like once you finish the game, like the one that's playing in the through the credits and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like so like emotional and shit. It was like all really good. Um, the the one thing I got a little annoyed with audio wise is just the bird sounds like you know you're you're just kind of because they use you know this game uses the, <laughs> the the animals in the environment right to like kind of like show you things that are happening guide you towards objectives and stuff and the mm -hmm. the yellow birds they had this very like I don't know this this very uh recognizable whistle that in some moments where I just wanted to do something specific and I kept running into birds by accident I was just like. I don't want to hear it right now, right? But, um, <laughs> so some of those got a little repetitive, but for the most part, excellent audio work on this game I as liked, well. I like how in the, from an audio perspective, like this is something that I noticed during my Ghostwire Tokyo review. Mm -hmm. And that's whenever like there's audio cues in the open world to help you out, to help you find yes. the collectibles. So like... Um, they would have like a cricket, a specific cricket noise when there's a cricket yes. nearby. There's like a specific uh, flag noise that's very. There was specific a noise for the the banners. for the shrines. Yeah. 
I was thinking yeah. too, like when you're getting close to the like the Inari shrines and stuff. You're right. There was yeah. they did a lot of that. Yes, for sure. So I, I definitely do appreciate like a good sound design to help you, especially with it being open world and you want to have all the collectibles. Like every single collectible had a specific sound to it. So the banners had a sound. I think mm-hmm. I think the ban uh, the 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 what is it the those uh, cosmetics like the um the headbands and stuff like that like there was a specific mm-hmm. sound for that i think there might have even been a sound i don't know what it was but they might have had a sound for um those uh katana strike thingies and stuff so like they had like stuff mm-hmm. to help you uh not just guide you they even had you have like a freaking outfit where like a green cricket would like or a firefly yes. would like vibrate your controller and also tell you where it's at you know or guide yeah. you to where it's at which it's funny because i i i didn't quite figured that one out until a little bit later in the like early still early in the grand scheme of things but like i don't know like 10 hours into the game or 20 hours into the game or something was when i actually started using that one and then i got into this habit of and i sort of figured out like a flow to play the game after a while where i would use whatever outfit was best to like clear out an area or a mission or something and then i would switch to the to the outfit the traveler's attire attire and then just kind of walk through it to see if there was anything that I could go and pick up that I that I might have missed, um, and uh, so I I think we've uh, we've talked about a lot of the the, the positives of the game, uh, and I I want to I want to mention a few aspects now that I uh, they're not negatives but they're not as positive in my opinion. Okay. Um, one of them is the story and character of the game in my opinion, and 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 what I mean by that is uh, what I want to get to is that. The story of the game gets better the more you play it. But I was not particularly found of it, like, for a good portion of the game. I felt like it was very, like, it felt very basic. It felt very tropey. Um, and it kind of, <laughs> it was it was only, like, like, I don't know, like, halfway through, like, Act 2. Like, cer- when certain things start getting resolved and you start kind of hitting those payoffs, that's when I was like, okay, this was cool. This was dope. But before that, I was just kind of like, all right, you know, this is okay. This is like very, you know, whatever. Um, so I didn't feel too strongly about the story in the throughout a good portion of the game. By the time I finished it, I do think they managed to bring it together and land land the plane at the end and stuff. And it was like they'd had a few nice payoff moments towards the end and shit. So um, still a net positive, but perhaps maybe not as positive as, as the gameplay for me. Yeah. I'll sort of second that opinion on that one because a part of me actually, like, I guess maybe in the grand scheme of things, I I, I didn't know what I want, right? But when I was playing the games, both times for Act 1 and Act 2, I wanted the game to end. Mm -hmm. Like, I was ready for the game to conclude because, like, I feel like the end of each act is basically the the, uh, potential for the final fight to happen. But, of course, they kept on delaying the inevitable. And, I know, it just kind of, like... It kind of, especially with Act Two, like specifically Act Two, like so much shit got resolved that I was just ready for like the game just to roll credits and just like let it, let me, let me be, let me go, yeah. free me from this prison kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that almost makes it sound like you don't like the game though, but I, I, know. I know what you mean. And yeah. it's not, by the way, I don't even think the game is that long. By the way, I think that the the open world is very dense and because we were doing a lot of the open world stuff i think that contributed to that feeling especially Mm. by the end of act two 
It's like you had done so much by that point. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, if you were actually doing everything. I was, um, yeah, I was hella completionist and like nothing left yeah. to do on the map except do the story. And yeah. And and in terms of the story, I also want to kind of segue this into there's the you're kind of like your core storyline. But then you also have these parallel stories because the side quests in this game, they do this thing that other other open world games have, have done before. But I, I feel like this game did it more so than than most other games that I played, which is that a lot like not. Uh, what what felt like 75% of the side quests were almost like their own campaigns that had multiple parts and they are yes. centered around a character, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like, for example, Sensei Shikawa's campaign and there's like nine different quests <laughs> in that, you know, in that campaign. And what I wanted to say with those, because I think this is important as well, I felt like those stories were also tropey, number one, and, and, and not necessarily super inventive. But number two, those dragged because it almost felt like the the Mario meme of like the princess is in another castle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you keep trying to do this thing and they just keep like dragging it over and over and over again. Um, I'm going to save that to the for the, you know what I'm going to I'm actually going to let's wrap up this part around here because I think I can save more of that discussion for the spoiler side. So yes. ultimately, the game is go ahead. No, I was going to say, I I agree with you, by the way. If we're going to give it a score now prematurely, I'm st- I'm going to stick with the 9 out of 10. Um, yeah. You talked me down from a 10 out of 10 from the previous podcast. So, but, uh, yeah, I, I feel nine, better about minus... that. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to ruin it for you or something. No, no. I, after like thinking about it, you know, you know, it's kind of funny if I was just doing the level one gaming review, I would have been like 10. Right. And then I would have published mm-hmm. it. And then everyone, I don't think IGN might've given it a 10. So I think there were outlets that gave it a 10. It's just fair. You know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. All right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we both recommend the game. We both really like it. It's a great game. Um, but you know, we talked, we, we, I wanted to give some, like, you know, some of the criticism of the things that perhaps were not, you know, as good as they could be. Oh, um, right. One so, last thing before we move on yeah. to, to spoilers, we forgot to criticize the fact that we can't filter out in the, in the map and the, yes. on the map. Like, that's the one thing that we talked about off air before is like, man, I wish that I could, I want to find, I want to find something specific and I can't filter out all these other icons and stuff like that. I just kind of wish that, that we could. Just like other yeah. open world games, and uh, going, I, I think going, I go for it. I have a yeah. I just generally have a slight criticism of the UI for the game in the sense that they they were specifically going for this idea of no UI, right, or as minimum UI as possible. Yeah. And well, I think that's cool. Like I I'm all for that. I work in UI, and I'm all for that. You know, because I do think the best UIs are the ones that get out of your way. Um. But, but there's, and there's a strong but here. I feel like that they, it required them to make certain concessions. And I, I do think that there's small, just small things that they could have done better that would have made the quality of life of the experience better. Um, and they, they are things that I kind of wish that they had an opportunity to resolve with the director's cut version and they didn't. So I think it's just not something they, they want to do. Right. Um, but we talked about not being able to really filter through stuff in the map navigating the map is just not and finding stuff on the map is not very easy um the fact that you can't have a mini map in the in in the screen even if it was like you know like optional like you could go and enable it in the settings like oh my god we couldn't i I, I struggled to find like a a merchant in a certain like town 
a lot of times where it's like, I know there's yes. a, I know there's a, a hunter, whatever they call it, like a trapper. A trapper. Yeah. I know there's a trapper around here somewhere. Where the fuck is he? Yeah. Yeah. So it's for, for the moments like that, that I do wish that I could like, I don't know, like turn on a fucking, uh, a mini map on screen or be able to like, um, highlight, like, you know, the waypoints in breath of the wild or whatever, right? Like where it's like you put, you mark something on the map and then it like oh, yeah, shines love, yeah, like pins. That's what pin. it is. Yeah. And it just shines through the world and you can very easily see it from anywhere. So, uh, just kind of like things like that, I think could have made the experience better. And I know that they didn't do it on purpose because they wanted to stick with this idea of like the super minimalistic UI. Um, I, I, I just got to say from, from a UI perspective, you know, like having those like, uh, yeah, fireflies to guide you in the traveler attire, got being guided by the wind, which is so poetic, right? It's like he's like a mm-hmm. traveler, he's a samurai guided by the wind, right? And that's like literally, you know, like that's uh, that's such a nice little uh, what do you call it? Like that's so creative to like yeah. get rid of like UI basically, right? So the, the the funny thing is that it's effectively doing the same thing, right? It's like the like the wind guiding you, like it's it, it's really just like an on screen effect. That it's doing the exact same thing that like an arrow pointing that direction yeah. would, but it's like just a, it, like a GTA like here's the arrow like you know f- yeah. high glowing and stuff yeah exactly yeah it it effectively does the same thing but it just makes it a little bit more immersive I guess it kind of fits the fits the aesthetic and stuff so it's like it's a cool idea but I also like I. I, I reject the the idea that like oh yeah that's how every game should do it you know what I mean like I don't think that either I just think like yeah an arrow is fine you know it does the same job this was cool I'm glad they were creative and did something different and makes the game stand out so good for them but I also I don't necessarily need GTA to use the wind to, <laughs> to guide me you know what I mean or have fucking you know cockroaches like show up crawl, crawl up on the street and like guide you to a collectible or something. Um, but anyway, so yes, I think that pretty much sums up like our general thoughts about the game uh, before we get into spoilers. So here's your warning. Get out of here if you have not finished the story of Ghost of Tsushima yet, because from this point on, everything, everything's possible. We can talk about anything that happens in this game. Dude, like, I I liked the side quests, like, in general. Like, I, I like the idea of the story, like, Sensei Ishikawa, right? Like, he's, like, going after this, like, student that went rogue and is helping the Mongols and shit. And, like, the, the mystery of, like, trying to figure out, like, you know, where she is and, and the whole, like, you know, they, they play around with, uh, like, sometimes you don't know if you can trust 
him, right? Or yeah, you know, exactly. She trust her or whatever. Like, uh, but it it did. I feel like it didn't need to be nine parts, right? Because it's like some somewhere in the middle there. You're just kind of it. it kind of becomes this. I think there's an expression for it. It's like a chase that it, like a this unending chase where you're just like a step <laughs> behind every time you know what i mean yeah um, you know honestly what really bothered me about that side quest line is the fact that we didn't meet her until like part eight or yeah. part seven at the at the earliest like we saw her like like part five or six as like a like a like a masked character who didn't speak and then you know actually yeah. she did speak she said like can you trust him and then she just dips right you know but like yeah exactly I, I, uh overall like we met her uh and she finally got all her character development kind of just sort of crammed in at the very end. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And I feel like if we had spread it out a little bit more, we could have let certain characters breathe and we could have like been pondering if we can trust her or not. And like, that could have been a better through line instead of it was just sort of like ham fisted at the end. Yeah, that is true. And you also knew like the game also told you, like for as little as the game will tell you, and 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 uh, the other thing that I didn't mention that I missed uh, in the UI for this game too was like a like a tracker with uh, like a percentage tracker, I guess, or something like that. Because uh, I with the quest, for example, like um, I read, like I, I pulled it up on my phone at some point, like how many side quests there are, and I saw that there were like sixty one of them. And so every once in a while, I would literally go through the quests in the menu counting them because <laughs> I was oh wondering like, how many quests do I have left. Um, and, but regardless, like it, um, yeah, with some of those quests, it was like, you would see like, oh yeah, part like four out of nine or whatever. Yeah. And you just know like, okay, I'm just going to go after this chick, you know, she's just going to disappear at the end. I'm not going to get her cause, cause I'm just going to have to do this again. Um, and I'm trying, and it was the same with, uh, Lady Masako, by the way, with like the, her revenge story yeah. that you're just like, you know, constantly like in this chase. So I, I almost felt like kind of the side quest part of this game uh, was a little repetitive because they they did a lot of the same. Um, and and that's a that's a general open world problem to be honest. Like it's it you can't you can't just come up with sixty one unique like quests with unique gameplay, right? right? So you kind of figure out like certain formats, right? Like almost like blueprints for quests, well, and then you, you repeat them. You could have solved it by having more characters. Like one of the yes. things that I did like is like the it was the one guy I forgot his name. He's like this like schemey merchant guy, and he's only three. He only has three side quests, and the other guy, it's the Asian ben- Benji or something like Benji, that. Benji, yeah, or Kenji, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, I think it was Kenji. And yeah, then I there think was you're right. uh, and then there was the the uh, the the monk guy. I forgot his name, but like he Norio. only had four. Yeah, Norio. Yeah, he only had four side quests. You know, like less is more kind of stuff. Uh, and mm-hmm. also you get to the punch much faster uh, yeah exactly i i agree with that and and the the thing that was really cool with these character stories let's call it um because there, there was the yuna as well had like four or something like that is that it added to in the in the moments uh certain big moments in the campaign where you actually got to see everybody like all the characters coming together for a battle and you're Avenger just kinda, i think it's a yeah, at the end of Act Two, and you're fighting, and you see Norio fighting next to you, and Ishikawa with the bow, like shooting motherfuckers and stuff, and it was just like that. That payoff was worth it, right? I was like, oh, it's so cool that I got to like build, you know, these moments with these characters, and I I get to see them all fighting together. Uh, but you're right. I almost wish there were more characters, and the the stories were shorter, right? You could have a max of like 
five or six sparts instead and then like have two or three more characters that could be part of those moments as well um, yeah i think four or five ma- five max for me uh i think mm-hmm. the, the, some of the better ones were like like uh, characters that only had three side quests or four side quests um and that way you would have you could have had a little bit less of that for your princesses and other castle kind of stuff less of that happening yes less frustration and stuff um yeah i don't i kind of i i didn't you're sort of making me think about this game a little less because like i didn't even think about that by the way i i don't i don't remember feeling that frustration by the way but in hindsight when you think about it it's sort of like hmm Thanks, thanks to yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 here's the thing is because the gameplay is so good that I feel like you can look over a lot of these other things because, like, it doesn't, like, it, yeah, because... it doesn't bother you in the moment that you're having to do another mission akin to another one you just did because it's fun to play, right? Like, it's yes. fun to play so you could theoretically play it for hours on end and not be bored. Um, you know, actually, now that I think about it, from speaking of the side quest stuff, there is one side quest where like it became very video video gamey like i saw like the the strings that were pulling you know the puppet kind uh-huh. of stuff there was this part where like there's a lot of side missions where you have to follow the tracks like do you know what i'm talking yes. about like just so many of them right and mm-hmm. the one of the things that bothered me so much is whenever i saw the tracks get loaded in and i'm like why mm. can't they just put those tracks there the whole time why can't it just be there uh, mm-hmm. But like, um, you know, I'm going into and investigate this scene or whatever, and I walk past this part and the tracks aren't there, but then I interact with this item or like this interactable and then suddenly you turn around and then the tracks are there like, oh, let's follow them. But I was like, I motherfucker, I was just standing there just like two seconds ago. Those tracks weren't there. It's like, <laughs> I hate the fact that I saw, you know, the fact that I essentially saw the tracks get loaded in and also after the side after the side quest is over and you get your little splash screen and everything like that, those side, those, those tracks aren't there anymore. So it's like, mm. yeah, they're not there like built into the world in perpetuity. So, yeah. You know, what's funny about those as well. It's, uh, it's interesting that they weren't quite highlighted, right? Like a lot of those times where you're finding, you're like you're, you're following uh footprints and stuff. I'm used to those segments in other games where they'll make the, they'll make the tracks shine or you can go into, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. Batman detective mode or whatever. Yeah. And then it like highlights, you know, the path you're supposed to follow and stuff. And I was very surprised with this game. The first time you encounter a mission like that, where it actually relies you, it, it relies on you actually paying attention to the environment art <laughs> to like see where everything is and like find it and stuff. And I thought that was cool um in in a few moments i i when i was trying to go through a mission a little bit quicker and i wasn't taking my time i was just kind of rushing down a road or something and then realized that i missed the tracks and then i had to like go back and like find them again you missed Um, the turn off yeah yeah exactly um but it it it, it was cool and and it's interesting though with with these kinds of missions that there's something about the open world design of this game that is it is pretty much following a lot of just kind of trends and and the blueprint of a lot of other open world games uh that I've played before. So the other interesting thing too is that as as good as the uh, as good as the game is uh and as creative as it is in other areas, it is not that innovative with the with the general kind of open world design of it because it's you go and you play um something like a like a Batman Arkham game or or Tomb Raider or Horizon 
and you find a lot of the same things where it's like, oh yeah, this is the detective quest. You know, you got to go and like, <laughs> you know, press R2 or whatever, you know, interact with a few objects and then you got to follow a track and then you get somewhere and then maybe there's some combat and then you do the combat and then it's done. Okay, this is the stealth mission. You got to go through it. You can't be detected. Yada, yada, yada. Get to the end, destroy like some, the alarm, you know, before they sound it or whatever. Um, oh, this is just, you know, the, the enemy camp, just kind of go in and beat the shit out of everybody and then get out. Right. And there's like an extra objective to using a specific ability. Oh, this is the tower, you know, climb to the tower, light the fire, whatever. That one was interesting, by the way, because in most other games, you would do that. And then it would review an area of the map. In this <laughs> yeah. one, they didn't do yeah. that. It just no, g- gives you XP or something. No Ubisoft towers. They just, yes, you just, um, there's only four of them. <laughs> that was it. Just four lighthouses. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's and almost like they're intentionally like trying to uh, for that one it was like we don't want we don't want you to say this is just an ubisoft open world game so we're not <laughs> we're not gonna make that uh that happen yeah um, um you know uh, since we're in the spoiler section i'm gonna mm-hmm. ask you do you have any like do you have any side quests that you that stand out to you that you specifically remember like because i have one that's like my favorite side quest in both like a good way and a bad way uh, but I want to see where you, what you want to, where you want to start. Okay. Um, so I'm going to mention one that I did towards the end of the game, uh, which was climbing the mountain. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, the fire. Yeah. Yes. And I, 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 I just want to mention that one because that one felt quite different. There's like some unique mechanics to it. Like the idea of like you having to stay near the fire and stuff. It mm-hmm. was a little annoying to be honest. Like I didn't love it. Uh, but I guess that stands out to me, you know, as a different one. That was one of the first uh, things I did when I got to Act 3 is I, I happened to stumble up, upon the mountain and then I heard the Traveler give me my legendary legend mm-hmm. tale or whatever. By the way, I just remember those are badass cutscenes, by the way. And like those, like, oh, yeah. the, the ink kind of like Okami oh, yes. looking style writing. I love yeah. that. I agree with you. And I, I generally thought those were cool. You know, like you... Uh, you know, you got to go on this thing and they are all a little different from each other. And you ultimately ended up getting a new, you know, a new armor set or a new ability or something. Um, I generally yeah. enjoyed yeah. doing those. Um, I was going to say with the Lady Masako in the part where you fight her, I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I didn't quite see that coming. Uh, right. I, I generally like the duel mechanics in the game. So, like, getting the fact that you got to duel so many, like, different characters... Uh, including one we're we're gonna get to right about in the, in the very end. Hmm. Um, I, I I thought that was cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Tell me, tell me what what st- stood out to you. Well, there are so many side quests where like it ends all dark and like mm-hmm. melancholy and just death and. Yeah, we like, talked about this uh, off screen. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, we but did. Go ahead. It's, so like there was this one where it's like uh, a father's like save my son and then like. And then the, you get to the son. He's like, I don't want to go back to him. Fuck my dad. He, he wanted oh, yeah. me to die. <laughs> and so then you go back to the dad and then the dad killed himself. And I'm like, fuck. Or like a, da- yep. a the dad was like a different side quest. was like, it's like save my family or whatever. And then you go and then you find like the mother and child are burned or whatever. And then you got to go and tell him. It's like, yeah, your family are dead. Here's, here's the doll. Like, you know, I'm like, there's so many side stories yep. that were like just death ended in death and like, nothing good came of it kind of stuff um yeah i was i was surprised at how dark this game was ultimately because i kind of expected it to be more uncharted in the <laughs> sense that like you know yeah you're killing a bunch of people and stuff but yeah it's fine you know like it, it's it's all you know it's all fun and games at the end but 
this game was not like that actually it was it, it got really dark and it they they did try to capture the realism of war and the and death and stuff like that and you like you said you're too late so many <laughs> yeah. so many of the side quests you are helping somebody they side quests in these games usually start with your character is helping some other character but they would resolve with you not necessarily helping them in the way that they expected or wanted to be helped you or not being able to save somebody's family or anything or like there was one that's like or whatever you, you, they thought you're like the scary ghost or whatever it's like oh don't come near me and stuff like that it's like oh you're sick let me go get you some food and medicine you come back with the food and medicine and their house is burned down yeah you know, it's like exactly there's so many like i can't think of like any like there's a lot of ones that especially early on like you're constantly encountering side missions where just like things just don't end the way you're you you think in a heroic fa fashion things just ended yes. kind of at best bittersweet um yes uh, for sure and 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 it's funny too to overlay that with the you know the ui of you know completed and you know your legend grows <laughs> like congratulations your legend <laughs> grows yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, like the sure, heroic man. like victory pose with that horse just sort of nudging you and stuff like that or whatever. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, there was a lot of those, but there were there was like a handful. Like this is like I'm not gonna say like call it like bad or whatever. There were a couple of handful ones where like you was happy, it was heroic. Mm -hmm. um, there were even some of those NPCs. They actually end up in a town nearby. Like he'll say, "Go to yes. this town" or whatever, and then like there every single time I visited this one specific town, this one same NPC chick would like say lord sakurai thank you and then that's it like you know i don't know if you know what i'm talking about but like if she would yeah. always say it every single time i walk near her like she would like in that exact same way like pause and then say thank you and stuff like that it's like uh and i it, it kind of became bothersome because i kept constantly like running into her that same character <laughs> That's funny. I, I do want to say that uh, something that I found interesting about this game and where they did get creative, in my opinion, is that you do have 61 quests in the game, including your basic quests and the ones that are character centered and etc. But you also have what I call secret quests in this game. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how many of those you encountered, okay. but I you just described the situation where you're going around town and you see a group of mongols going you know passing by and then you go and you clean it up and you save somebody and their character they sometimes give you a gift they end up yeah. in town whatever right that that is perhaps an, a small example of what i'm talking about but what i also mean is there's a few other instances in the game where they have something like that which is not in the quest log it's not tracked anywhere it doesn't give you like any specific reward but small interactions that you can have that feel like tiny little quests. And there was, I'm going to give you one example. There was one point where I was going through like this destroyed gray area of the map where it's like all burned and stuff. I think it's an act three. And I found these characters that were getting shot at. It was like they were, there was a, like a trebuchet, like shooting at them basically. Um, and they're like, you know, Lord Sakai, save us, save us, please help us. And you can go and you can find the Mongols that are shooting the, like, the catapult or whatever. Uh, and you can kill them and destroy the catapult and save yeah. those characters. I and then you that. can go back and interact with them. But that was not officially a quest. Like, it was not, like, tracked in the map in any way. There was no question mark. There was no, like, 
it, nothing went into the quest log. It was just something that was happening in the world that you could interact with. Mm. Um, and I just thought that was really cool. It wasn't the only one, by the way. There was one instance uh, where it, this one was very weird, and I, I still, I'm still trying to make sense of it. Um, I think I was climbing a mountain, and I found uh, there were two characters talking to each other. And then I approached them, and one of the characters says, you know, uh, Lord Sakai, there's something over there. Go look at it, or whatever. And then I go, like, I go away to go look at where they uh, they told me to look at. And it's basically, uh, you know, when they did the, like, the survey prompt shows up, and you can, like, look out, like, from the mountain. And then when I went back, you know, I hear a noise. You go back, and the character that told you to look away killed the other character and ran off. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> um, and then I think you get to go after them and kill them as well. So it's like, there's another one where... I did not there's know that. People, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's one where I found people were trying to get into a temple and the monks were not letting them in. And you can go and talk to the monks and convince them to let the people in. Um, so there's just all... There's little things hidden throughout the world that you can do that are not tracked in any way in the ui they're just like little secrets or easter eggs in the in the game um so yeah i don't not like i said not sure how much of it you you had experienced but i did find a few instances of those no the catapult um, one i knew about but yeah those other ones i'm surprised um, yeah yeah i kind of want to look it up because i'm sure there's like some kind of list somewhere or whatever of, of those things or kind of what the explanation of it is i um, i um i have a I want to go ahead and talk about my favorite side quest, and and it was it's both like like my favorite and it's also like my most uh, like it like it sort of makes my blood boil, you know. <laughs> um, it just like I, you know like you always want to put that little disclaimer like on movies like no animals were harmed in the making of this movie kind of stuff. Oh, uh-huh. it's like that side quest like it just sort of triggered something in me when when there was like. You have these uh, Anari shrines where foxes guide you, and you're like, you know, and they, oh, you, you yes. can pet them. You can pet them and everything, and they're all like all frolicking and like all happy and stuff. And then, like, there's a side quest where an Anari shrine or like a foxhound or fox den or whatever is like destroyed. Like, it has been like toppled down and been like, like ruined by the Mongols. And, and then there's like a fucking dead fox, like right there, like in the middle of the grass. And I'm like, oh, I couldn't, I just. That yeah. one's sort of like I'm not I don't get triggered, but like like I just kinda like ooh, just like maybe this just pissed me off seeing that. Like and then uh and then of course that whole side quest is you following the fox to to find the people responsible and take them out and stuff like that and get revenge. Revenge. Yeah. yeah. That was my favorite side quest because it's like blending two things. Like you're already gonna do your completionist run to like do like the you know, in Ari shrines and then you just sort of like worlds collide in an unexpected way and it just sort of like it was like one of those side quests for me that were like was like the most uh i was like the most like mentally involved um you know to do it yeah you know i don't know if you remembered that one or not but like that one for I me did. is the one that stood out the most above all else yeah yeah for sure um i i thought you were going to talk about uh i thought you were going to talk about something to do with the horse or uh or like the horse is getting hurt and stuff Oh, um, and that's something I want to get into as well. Yeah, yeah go for um, it. I did just want to mention with the my final thought on side quests is that I think they overused a lot of the same themes. For example, revenge. Right. <laughs> I know that 
I know that revenge is a common theme in these kinds of stories, and I know that they wanted it. It made sense that they wanted to use it. Um, in a lot of ways, the the main story already centers around revenge. Uh, Lady Masako's story throughout nine side quests is all about revenge. Norio's story at the end is about revenge as well. Yuna's story is about revenge. She's taking revenge for like the guys who enslaved her and her brother, and then later she's taking revenge for the guys who killed her brother. Um, and so many of the smaller, you know, individual side quests were also about revenge. So I did feel like it was a little overused. Um, at one point I was like, okay, yet another person that, you know, had somebody they loved murdered by somebody else and we're going to go help them go kill them. Right. <laughs> um, so that's my final thought there. Oh my God. There was this one, like, it was like a, a woman that was lying to you. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but it was a side quest. Is like at the end, he's like, he goes and talks to her. He's like, don't ever do it again. He's like, I was, I'm sorry, I won't lie again or whatever. Uh, that was just dumb. Uh, and then there was another side quest, and I think about it, where like the the woman drowns herself or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think. But anyways, yeah, I just it's like a very, very kind of like very distant memory for me. But yeah, mm-hmm. anyways, you're right. There definitely is an overuse of the theme. Um, you know, another game in that that came out that same year was about revenge. Revenge. As well. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that one game of the year. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I guess I was it, gonna say if it was like that a, other game. A, <laughs> I was gonna say it's, it's a, a strong. Oh, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, no, it's a strong theme that we can all grasp and and understand, right? I just. I, I sort of wish some of these other characters had a different story that wasn't necessarily about revenge. That's all. But go ahead. No, I was gonna say I, I don't know. I, I was gonna say like I don't know which one does it better, but you know, to each their own. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Um, yeah. Um, trying to think here. Like you're, you're. There's. It's a world that's like being invaded. Um, which, by the way, we didn't really like talk about the actual main story. Story, by the way, in this entire spoiler cast. Yep. Uh, let's, Not at all. Let's, let's do let, it. Let's do it. So the game starts off with like a Mongol invasion of this Jap of this island, and your plays uh, a Lord Sakai or a samurai of like have House Sakai. The la- I guess the last of House Sakai. I guess. Yes. And uh, these. Um, this Mongol invasion is going down. All the samurais of all the houses of all the families are there at the beach to defend the Mongol invasion, and everybody dies. Everybody yeah. <laughs> except for you oh, and your. What uncle. a badass opening, by the way! <laughs> like the the opening sequence of the game where you're fighting in the beach and everything, and like all the crazy stuff is happening. Yeah. I ended up playing that again because when I downloaded the game on PS5 and I just turned it on, it just you know puts you in there. Like before you get to any menu, it just puts you in that part of the game hmm. uh so i just kind of ended up like playing that again just kind of that first sequence and uh it's so cool like it's actually really cool it's um, so like so- unexpected to see that part where he's like you know basically the first guy that dies it just like he's like face us with honor and then he just gets shot with an arrow and like was it he get burned or whatever like <laughs> no, I don't yeah remember, right? he gets yeah. so there's this is a very important theme that they establish early on in the in the game which is based all of this is based on real history as well which is cool uh the mongols or the samurai fought very honorably they had this code there there's certain things that they did certain way that they fought um and the mongols don't give a crap about that they're all about winning right whatever it takes to win and so in the beginning there's a samurai uh who actually that character is uh lady masako's husband uh, he's, he's, he's the head of her clan. 
he was like the best one of the best fighters so he challenges the the mongols he's like you know he comes up to them and he's like you know your best man against me you know let's let's duel it out basically and and the the mongol the the main bad guy koton khan just throws he just his drinking like a glass of wine or something just throws it at him and then throws a torch and the guy so basically just burns him alive like not giving a fuck about you know the the code the you know the the way to do it the way the samurai do it and stuff um which is kind of what set, sets out the whole thing they battle it out and the samurai lose but that that rule that they establish early on in the game is such a it's a recurring it's, it's a recurring theme and the most important theme central to the story which is this dichotomy between fighting with honor and i guess you know fighting to win fighting doing whatever it takes yes and the, like the random ass times were like you would like the more ghost stuff that you do you the game just sort of forces a flashback onto you in the middle of gameplay where yes. it's like it's like remember uh like his uncle was teaching was like remember don't you when you when you kill somebody you face them or whatever you know that kind of stuff um yeah yeah by the way uh so yeah that, that's how the game opens it's like this this scene where everybody dies your uncle gets captured you barely survive because uh, Yuna rescues rescues you from and nurses you back to health, and then uh, yeah, that becomes a quest to save your uncle and defeat Koden Khan. That's the revenge quest thing going on, and mm-hmm. I gotta say that um, you know you have to sort of like as you progress, you're sort of losing yourself to like your you know what's yeah. fighting with the code and fighting you know to win and like at all costs you know we gotta rescue the the island from. The invaders, they're gonna, they're yeah. gonna. Didn't come. you, didn't What's you that? feel guilty at times? By the way, because I think this game does a really good job of this as well. Which is that over time, you almost start. I almost started questioning myself, like, ah, am I doing the right thing? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> as you go farther and farther down the ghost path, especially when you unlock the ghost dance and yeah. you start using that, is just seeing the way your enemies react to you. And 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 it sometimes you know they're not even fighting you; they're trying to run away, and you're just killing them. <laughs> you're honestly, stabbing like, them in the back and stuff. <laughs> you know, honestly, I'm so ruthless. Like I, I mm. when I, there were a lot of times where like the you even get a trophy for this, where if a character gets scared of you because you've you've your legend has grown to the point where now characters are scared of you, that. During a side fight, just a random a fight that occurs in the open world, you know, traveling and stuff like that, there a character. The game gave me the credit for winning. Like there, there was one last character standing, and he dropped his sword and started beeline beelining it out of the, getting the hell out of dodge. And instead of letting that guy run away and stuff, I just shot him in the back, just from a. And it was a far <laughs> shot, like it was a long shot, but I did it, like. I just should have killed him with that with no mercy. So, yeah. yeah, you you told me about that one when we were in Vegas, and then I made a point to do it as well at some point to uh, to pop the trophy. <laughs> you so. got the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Uh, I thought I thought about you when I did it too. So yeah, that I you know you you kind of gotta you you gotta play the game, and and it's it's so much easier to uh, to get through the encounters when you just kind of say fuck it and you, and you just you just do it that way. I love anyway, but. I love when you yeah. unlock the ghost dance for the first time when you just decapitate like a general because the generals yes. are like very hard and they're like very tanky and stuff like that. And um, the, the there there was times where like when you would like 
kill somebody and and an assassinate them, you would be like a one button press and you just assassinate them. But with generals, it was always critical strikes. They were never yeah. assassinations. But then when you unlock the ghost dance, now they become assassinations. And they were like a double, it was like a double whammy because you would decapitate them, right? And you would immediately unlock ghost dance by doing so. No matter if you have mm-hmm. zero, zero hits on the bar, you know, I don't know. Like, and you can, yeah. It's fun to see. You can watch. There's so much detail in the reactions of the other characters around whenever you do that move as well. Uh, when you just kind of jump down and decapitate the the leader in front of the the followers, you can see the like the scare in the <laughs> followers' eyes. Like they 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 actually animate the characters going like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like you know, like freaking out as you do it. Um, and I just I just fucking love that. There's there is a lot of nice like attention to detail. Uh, oh my in this god. Game. I just remembered the side quest where uh, there's a whole village that like sent all their women out yes. with the Mongols. And then like at the very end, you're like calling for everyone to die. He's like, I'm going to kill you all. And then like, and then like one guy, the head of the town is like, please, sir. It, like they spare them. It was my idea. Oh my God. Like, it just sucks that I had to kill that guy. He, he just like, yeah. he's like, so be it. And then he just gets on his knees and you just walk out to him and just slice him. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was. Okay. I was kind of surprised because, you know, some games do the thing where you know the hero of the story is uh, too good to kill, uh, even those that sometimes deserve to be killed. Right, like the the hero of the story gives them second chances or whatever. You see that a lot with superheroes and stuff like that. And uh, Jin Sakai was not that kind of character. He uh, <laughs> he he really believed in punishment. Right, like you did. You did this wrong thing. Your punishment is to die by my sword. And I'm going to do it right now. You know, I'm not going to. It's fine. <laughs> like, I'm not going <laughs> to lose sleep over this. You know, you fucked up. Bye. <laughs> and there's a few instances where they do that. Um, I was surprised even um, in, you know, some some actually prominent uh, characters in, in the show that that kind of ends. Oh, in the show. In the, in the, in the, <laughs> the game. The, the movie. <laughs> no. The game. It does feel like, you know, it does feel like a movie at times, to be yeah. fair. Uh, that, uh, where, where that happens. There was uh, um, one moment where Jin Sakai actually doesn't kill the person that deserves yes. to die. Uh, it was you in Act talk about one. that? Yeah, it was in Act 1 where um, the guy is pretending to be a samurai. And, oh, yes, uh, that's you're, right. Like, you're hunting him down, you chase him down, and then he's like, all right, I, I, he caught he caught him. Now it's time to all right. Like I guess we got a duel. And he's like, all right, like let's duel. And then he, before you do the first swing strike, he's like, all right, I give up, I give up. Like please don't kill me. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't remember like does the game give you a choice to kill him or or because I spared I spared him. I don't remember if that was a choice or not. Um, I don't um, remember. I don't. I I think I did. I I don't know if it was a choice, but I don't think I killed him either. So it might have just been what canonically happened there. Yeah. So um, he spared him, and then you go back and return to the to the women, and they all the women. The women like yeah we knew he wasn't a samurai we just played along and i'm like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) i know i was so confused by that one i was like that's a little goofy (laughs) i don't think this really makes sense um i i do want to say uh something that i didn't like with a lot of the side stuff was the rewards that you got because so many times you got those charms Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt like there weren't enough slots for the amount of charms that you get. 
Um, cause you ultimately, yes. you unlock, you have up to, I think six slots yes. or something like that. But only two slots are like the golden ones or whatever, right? Yes. Like that's what bothers me is that you can't only use two like high level charms and then the weak sauce charms that honestly, I barely changed my charms. I think I settled on my charms early on and I just rolled with them for the entire run. Yes. I kind of did something like that too. I think I revisited it towards the end, like halfway through Act Three. I just kind of went when I had basically unlocked everything. I just kind of went through and 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 changed them out. But I agree with you, and I feel like that is one of those parts where it's it's almost like an underutilized feature of the game because I wish that they, if they were gonna have that and allow you, and and that it, that is the main reward you get from almost everything. Um, I wish that they would uh, have you add them to other weapons perhaps like maybe your bow like maybe you could if you could equip charms on your bow as well um or have different ones like set set it up so that you know these are the ones you use when you're you know doing stealth mode versus these are the ones when you're in the middle of combat or whatever because a lot of them they had different purposes like some of them were uh stealth some of them were defense and attack etc so i wish i almost wish i could switch between a whole different page on a whim depending on what i was going to do kind of like how you do the stances right yes but but you couldn't you had to, it was like you had to navigate this menu it was also annoying to navigate because you had to like go through all scroll down yes. like up and down through like tons of charms mm-hmm. um and then so sometimes anyway, you would have multiples yeah. of the same charms which is dumb um yeah exactly yeah yeah like i said i could just i think i stuck with like the charm that like makes you like regenerate health when you're not in combat and then, like, I forgot what the second one was, but, like, um, yeah, I think then I would swap between, like, that one. I would always hot swap between two charms, the one that, like, lets me heal outside of combat and the one that turns, mm-hmm. um, you know, those, like, those bells, those, like, one person at a time bells into, like, wind gas. Wind chimes. Yeah, the wind chimes, mm-hmm. yeah. The wind chimes into, like, poisonous gas. Like yes. that one, like th- those are the two that I found pretty, like pretty busted. And, you know, I could only just mm-hmm. equip one or the other because it was one of those golden ones. I forgot what do, the other. Do you want to talk about the the gadget that you said you didn't use? Uh yes. On this topic. Yes, the one thing that I didn't use for combat was the flaming sword. I got it early mm. on in Act Three, and I felt like it's just another sword. Like I mean, like you know, when you strike somebody, you just do burn damage, and then they count on fire. Then yeah. you, they can die faster or whatever. Like I just first off, I just I, number one, I feel like even after upgrading like to the max to hold the most oil, like it mm-hmm. still felt like it was not. It was just being used to, it was being burned up too fast, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but that being said, like, I just didn't really find it that particularly useful. Like, I think everything else was, like, just as good. Like, I think the blow darts where you, like, you make somebody go crazy and fight your, their teammates. Oh, I love those. The blow darts that, like, <laughs> like, makes you, like, vomit and die very slow, painful death. You know, those are cool and stuff. You know, like... I used everything else, even the stuff that gave me in late game, but the fire stuff. I used the fire mm-hmm. stuff when I ran out of everything else. I used the fire stuff when it was like a challenge for one of like the the camps where it's like defeat all the camps and de- or clear this camp, but also use the burn someone or whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, you know what's funny? Yeah. I uh, I actually didn't get to use that one as much, but not because I didn't want to, because. For whatever reason, I I sort of ignored that quest for the longest time, and it ended up being the last thing I did before beating the game. <laughs> I I got I got that attack, and then I, I had that ability, and then I beat the game. So I I used it on the final battle, yeah, basically, code and con, against yeah. the same. Yeah. 
but that was the only the only thing. That's pretty much the only place I used it, other than that one side quest where like that one was like a bonus objective. Which, uh, think about it, I'm not entirely sure bonus objectives really do anything uh, other than just to give you more XP. They gave um, him more XP. That that was it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, did you ever like do those things where you have to like view or watch the uh, the the general's train or whatever, so that way your skill points can go up? Oh yeah, it was called observe. Observe. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like I did that once or twice. I I, I think there was a there must have been a mission where you had to do it. Yeah. So they like so that they could teach you to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I didn't quite. I didn't actually find yeah. it useful. I, uh, well, it's supposed to g- help you gain, um, uh, what is it like your stance points faster or whatever. Mm. And I, I did it as many times as I could, but I think I did like maybe four times in total because there were so many ge- uh, generals that were unobservable, um, mm. more so than I thought. Like, and it was, it was cool to sort of like, you know, skip the grind and like, you know, but otherwise like, I feel like it should have, they should have programmed the game. So every general was observable, but for some reason mm-hmm. that wasn't the case. Um, what else I was gonna say? There was something else I was gonna say about the game, but I can't remember. I lost my train of thought. So I, I have I have lots still to uh, guide the conversation. Towards. Go for it. Um, so I want to talk about the horse for a second. Ah, uh, your, your horse is a character in this game. You get you get to name na- pick your horse and name him in the beginning. Uh, so first I gotta I gotta ask you, uh, do what color horse did you pick and what you name him? I named him. I was a white horse and. I named. Am I talking about the very beginning? Your first, your first horse, yes, right? Your first one, yeah. Uh, Nobu. Oh, interesting. So I named mine Sora. Uh, I also picked the white horse, by the way. I named it Sora for, uh, I guess, Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. I was like, sounds cool. <laughs> uh, and I think that I was, a, was. I think that was an option for me. I'm on the second horse, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I was gonna say. Nobu was my second horse. Um, but. Throughout the this game, right, you're going on this adventure with the with the horse, and you're always riding the same horse. Uh, I thought it was funny, by the way, that he could whistle, and the horse would literally just teleport to like right behind you. Yeah, every um, time they didn't yeah, do the time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they didn't do the thing where I think Zelda sometimes does this, where it's like, oh, the horse is not, you know, Epona is not nearby or whatever. It was like yeah. you could. I I just I. It, I it made thing. it feel very video gamey. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, I did this thing where like I jumped, I climbed down a cliff, take a f- couple of steps forward, and then whistled. Yes, <laughs> and the <laughs> like, horse is right there, like magic. <laughs> like I, the uh, horse is at the top of the cliff, and now he's at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was just so funny in a game that uh, they kind of prioritize like you know immersion and realism for so many other things. That was one thing where they were like, "Nah, we just want to make it convenient. The horse is always going to be there." And I think that was the right choice. So I'm glad they did that. It was nice that you could just get to do that. Um, but, you know, you do kind of build this uh, a little bit of an attachment to the horse throughout the story because they they do kind of give you small, like, cutscenes and little moments. And yeah, there sleeping is together. dialogue. Yeah. Yes. Um, there's, then, like, you know, there every, every time you write it, you, you know, your character will say something akin to, like, you know, uh, one. there's one line that stood yeah. out to me, which is one, one day we'll go for a peaceful ride. Yes, yeah, he said that, yeah. I was about to say that. He's like, <laughs> one day we'll just ride just for, for fun or whatever, yeah. And then, like, yeah, there was, like, the ones, like, my favorite, that was a good good animation where you finish this mission. You finish, like, a, like clearing, clearing a camp, and then, like, the horse is, like, all curled up like a little ball, and you're, like, laying on top of him like a pillow and yes. stuff. And then, like, the way he, like, gets up and, like, like, like circle spins gets up it's kind of cool it reminds me of a dog or like the times mm-hmm. where like you know he's just sort of like nudging you with his head like 
you know, very playfully and stuff. Like, yeah, Nobu was so my my first horse, Nobu was so good, and and then uh, my second <laughs> horse, he was a black horse, and I named him Kage because he's a shadow, mm-hmm. like dark and stuff. <laughs> so, yes, yeah. And and we're talking about a second the second horse here because um, there is it's a in in this big moment on on Act I think it's at the end of Act Two, two. slash beginning of um, Act Three, yes. Or beginning of Act Three, exactly. Your your horse gets gets shot at and and dies, and that was uh, that was impactful for me. That was that was one of those things, and it it's interesting. I almost just want to talk about that sequence as a whole because uh, there's Ryuzo's story, right, that we didn't get to talk about yet. Yeah, and you you have the showdown against Ryuzo, right? You have the the confrontation with with Shimura, and and basically like you realizing that you are in in different paths and that you know you're 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 gonna be a prisoner now and then running away with the horse and then having the horse get shot down and killed like that was just that was that that sequence it's like i don't know like that hour moment of gameplay or whatever just just wrecked me that that was the most impactful one of the one of the most impactful moments of the story for me just like back to back to back just getting your heart broken yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I agree. And really hit it for me. Do you want to talk more about Riozo's uh, character? Uh, Riozo is the guy that the, that scummy likes. Uh, what is it? Uh, Shogun? Is it Shogun? Is it Straw it's, Hat? Uh, the Straw, straw Hat. Straw Hats. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. we. Were, you know what's kind of funny is like the game has a lot of dialogue choices and stuff where it's like X or Circle mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's kind of... I think maybe in the back end it means it means nothing, right? But like I remember like and so many times where like I was just trying to convince him trying to convince him to to like see the light. He's like, this is the way, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I'm pretty sure no matter what combination of, of dialogue I say, it's going to, you know, be the way it is because it's kind of scripted. But like, I yeah. definitely do remember feeling like, yeah, this is, uh, uh, it's like kind of like that Obi-Wan Anakin, like you were my brother, Anakin, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, that was, uh, that was intense. Um, yeah, he was, uh, he was an interesting character. It's, it's interesting when you look back at what you were doing on Act One in the game, and and one of the things you have to do is go talk to Ryuzo and recruit the Straw Hats to help you. Uh, so it's it's interesting that you 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 proceed to the to the showdown of Act One, you know, anticipating their help, um, and then they betray you, and then on on Act Two, you know, you're fighting Straw Hats all over the map and shit, and then you have the showdown against them at the end. And I was even surprised that they put it there because I actually, you know, you would have thought they would have left that for for Act Three as well. But going back to what we were saying before, you know, they wanted this, like these different impactful moments to be uh, in different points of the game. And uh, yeah, Act Two is very much like Empire Strikes Back, the way that it ends. Mm. You know, everything going wrong basically. <laughs> it's just yeah, it kind of is. You know, um, I, another thing about like the gameplay of this game, it's like. There's so much Legend of Zelda gameplay on this game. If you think about mm-hmm. it, like you've you've got your 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 magical flute, you know, your like that changes the weather, <laughs> like like an ocarina. <laughs> you can make it sunny, you can make it rainy, you can make it foggy and stuff. Once you learn a new song, you know, kind of like Legend of Zelda. I actually I did not use the flute like at all, man. Oh, I it when, I, like... when it when it was raining too much, I'd be like, "Fuck that! We're not gonna make it a sunny day." And I would just play the song of the you know the the the, the yeah this 
the, the song that makes you like like sun the son of songs whatever the fuck you call it because like i know i know like it's the song of storms because you can make it rain and stuff like that but there's a sun there's a mm-hmm. sun song in ocarina of time where you can make it sunny but anyways yeah i played that a lot um apparently uh i read in i read it like in a i saw in a youtube video where it's like the director of the game said in an interview where like he deliberately made the game have more storms towards the end the further you play because you're like you're you're being corrupted by using so much ghost abilities that you're oh, you're impacting the, the harmony of the weather and stuff mm-hmm. uh so yeah like i often try to clear the weather you basically manually like playing that song and um you have like this this rope thing with a hook claw thing so you can swing kind of like in wind waker um oh yeah yeah so you have that there's you can, man there's you can, so much to talk about with this game honestly because <laughs> like all of those like I, so with the flute i i put both the flute and the bowing so the things you could do with the with the little touch bed right you could um. you could make the wind you know bring up the wind i used that a lot you could call the horse i did that a lot but the other two things which were the flute and then bowing down those are the things that i did not use pretty much at all in the entire play interesting game i bowed a lot Um, you can bow at shrines and as a matter of fact there's a hidden easter eggs where if you bow at certain shrines and like animals come out like frogs and stuff oh that's cool Um, that's cool i did not even know about that there's hidden easter eggs there's also hidden dialogue where like if you bow at dead bodies and stuff like that they'll he'll say something um wow yeah I guess that those are features that I just kind of forgot, to be honest. Like, I just sort of played uh, the game without remembering that they were there. Um, but you you mentioned the kind of like the hookshot stuff, right? And <laughs> I, I think that's that's a good one to talk about, too. Like, the uh, the the hook, Taka's character, uh, climbing in the game in general. It is an important part of the gameplay experience. You get the climbing, um, the hookshot, the mountain horses mountains and hookshot that's that's legend of zelda right there (laughs) yeah no for sure yeah uh and and you know this is a game by the way where i did wish that i could climb everything breath of the wild style uh because there were you know the try having to find the the rock to jump on or usually especially when i wanted to go down you know i was at the top of a cliff and i wanted to go down and kind of have to find the right place where like triggers the little prompt so that you can you can climb down and stuff like that was a little inconvenient at times. I did just use the shit out of fast travel, to be honest. So uh, it wasn't that big a deal. But it, I, I did at times wish that I could use those things more. Uh, but it was fun. It was it was nice the way they implemented the um, the hook thing. It was more like it wasn't as much a consistent mechanic that you could use throughout the experience. It was sort of more like something that was specifically used for certain for certain missions, I felt like. Um, but it, like it was the, it added did you like those uh, side missions where you have to go to a pray at a shrine but they're so out of the way that you have to like you know yes. find the hidden path they're basically and... i call them like the platforming missions basically <laughs> <laughs> little like platforming segments yeah i didn't do all of those um but you know i the ones i did i liked them they were not like they were not super difficult like you could easily uh sort of find the the, the golden path relatively easily uh, at least the ones that i did do um but yeah you so you get this hook shot early in in act one it is built by the character of taka who is uh yuna's brother uh who's a blacksmith and stuff you you get to save him first to help her and then he he builds you the thing to help you uh climb the the castle and save lord shimura 
So, so do you, do you want to say anything about before uh, getting the hook shot? You you killed like a, a bunch of uh, Mongols in front, in front of a whole town, and then there's a cut scene where like there's this one. By the way, I I got I don't know why I'm very sadistic, but I got a lot of pleasure in those scenes where where like a guy is crawling for his life, and then you just take the sword and just stab him one last time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that at every time that happened, I would just basically just like bah, like end suffering like immediately. Uh, uh-huh. But then there's that one scene that happened. It's a cut scene, and uh, you do that in front of a whole town, and then the whole town is like scared of you. It's like, oh my god, and stuff like that. It's so, it's so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like Taka, uh, he was so he's such a happy-go-lucky guy. He's not a he's not a warrior. He's a fighter. He's a blacksmith, and you know all you know wants to do is get her brother out to safety, get the hell out of Dodge, and uh, you know it's kind of like the Fast and the Furious. It's like just one more ride, man. <laughs> just one. One more ride, and then yep. the next thing you know, you know what's kind of funny is like Taka's death was more on Taka because he uh, uh, he Jin, sneaked out yeah. to go help Jin. Yeah. Jin, yeah, Jin said like, "Don't just go, like I got this." And then he didn't. I think what was it? He said that he were he started running away, but then he didn't run away. He turned back, and then that's how he got caught. Is that like he could have just kept on going? Um, I think that one, him being caught, was on him. But I think. If he didn't get ca- get caught, hmm, I wonder if if Jin would have died in that cutscene with with uh, Kodo Khan or whatever, because Koden Khan killed uh, uh, him instead, like just brutally. By the way, oh my god, he killed. Uh, yeah, uh, I I was shocked by that. I was like, holy shit! They, they just him. decapitated <laughs> and showed like the 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 severed head of this major character in the story up until that point. Yes. Um. So yeah, that that was another one of those weirdly, you know, dark moments. By the way, um, that's a trophy. Um, if you play the Song of Storms, which is what I'm calling it, by the way, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where you make it rain and stuff like that at his grave, um, then that's a trophy. Interesting. Um, okay. Which, by the way, like I gotta say, like small rant here, but there are like I understand why there are some hidden trophies because you don't want to spoil the story. But there are some hidden trophies that were like, why is it hidden? Like, that's not a story spoiler. And I feel like had it not been hidden, I would have been able to pop that trophy much more easily. Like a case in point, the, I played the game for 20 minutes today because I didn't pop this trophy. The only trophy I didn't pop mm-hmm. was um, where you have to like kick somebody off a cliff so that they do fall damage. Oh, yeah. I haven't done that either. And I'm like, that sucks. Like, why wasn't it already like, visible to me so that way i could check the trophy list and then know to do it instead of because i never did it naturally yeah so i just think that that should have been there's some some trophies that should tell you what to do so that way i don't have to look look youtube it and figure out what it is that i don't know you know so yeah no that makes sense um i mean you you are able i don't know if you know this just in case you don't but you are able to review uh the hidden trophies by the way there's a button if you pull up the trophy information, I think you press square. It shows what the damn it. Um, what you need to do, but but it is like you're you're right though that usually they're hidden because they contain like they could contain a story spoiler. So you don't want to be going around, uh, you know, halfway through the game, you don't want to be going around like revealing all the all the hidden trophies because you might end up spoiling yourself anyway. Yeah, and by uh, the so way, I agree with you. All the collectibles, mm. like the Mongol records and stuff like that, and like those are those aren't trophies. I'm like, that sucks. I did it for no reason. Yeah, that does suck. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting I, uh, to pop I mean, a trophy and it didn't happen. I don't have all of them, but I was planning to kind of go through and get them all because I'm not that far off. 
Um, but I guess, I guess not. Um, so I do kind of have a, you know, a, 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 as we've been talking, I've been adding things to, uh, on my phone, just making a list to make sure we hit all the points that, uh, that we want to talk about. Um, so I, I only have a few points left because before we get to the ending. Okay. Okay. Um, so the first one is I wanted to ask you if you used photo mode at any point, because I know I... it's like, it was a big feature in this game. People really liked it. I used it like two or three times, but first time was early on and I, there's a trophy for that. Uh, and I didn't even know about it. Like I just did it mm-hmm. by, by pure chance. Like I just wanted to play around with it. I don't use photo modes in games. And uh, there were like two times where like later on in the games where it's like, oh, this is so picturesque. I got to get a picture of it. So I just, you know, made yeah. a, used photo mode, took a screenshot and then and then kept it moving. Yeah, I feel like I even tweeted one. You know, I, I think I did it. Uh, like twice and I, I tweeted when I did it it was just it was just kind of playing around wanting to uh like wanting to see kind of how it works and uh they they did do a pretty good job with it there's a lot of uh different different options there you can do some uh goofy stuff as well I think I think there was one that I did where it was like there's I, I just remember the the quest uh, probably what was my favorite quest uh is the one where you gotta like you collect heads from people <laughs> like you go and you kill this guy and then you, you got to collect their head and then you go and you kill another one and you got to collect their head and then you you end up like the ending of the quest is that you put all three heads in like a spike oh yeah um, yes do you remember that yes i remember that one yeah you got to sneak so, in there kill the brothers and stuff like that and then yep 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 and then like all the mongols are scared when they saw like what the hell like they, they were just in there with us and yeah that that was one of the moments where i used photo mode because i just took a photo of my character next to the spike with all the because <laughs> i just thought that was so funny it's like dark humor basically you know uh but uh okay so that's that's it for photo mode and then the other thing is you know we were talking about the the hook and stuff but movement in this game in general i thought was so interesting uh, and the way that they did it, for example, like when you were during combat, you were in one of those camps and there's so many, there's so many things you can do. Like you can, you can go under things or you can climb over things and you can like squeeze through like small spaces and stuff like that. And I just, I liked the amount of, uh, attention to detail that went into that as well. So that you always felt like you had different options on the way you approached an encounter because, um, of like kind of your arsenal not just of uh you didn't just have an arsenal of abilities and gadgets but also of movement options yeah um where sometimes you could go you know like oh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna squeeze through this little hole and get on the other side and then i'm gonna hide on the grass and i'm gonna climb over like use the hook so that i can more easily climb over this house and then cross through the little like tightrope between you know the two buildings and stuff like that you know how like in uh, the when the game was coming out and they were doing their video game marketing and stuff and they're like you can take on the camp in any way you see fit like the you know, like different play styles and stuff like that like literally uh-huh. it's that like like i feel like that was a good realization of that like of that what is that thing where like it's so cliche that stupid thing that like buzzwords is like yeah you can do in your play style and stuff like that like yeah, yeah, that for me it was pretty much a situation where like, oh, I'm gonna stealth the shit out of this and not get caught, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely felt that there were there was enough tools to give you a lot of options on how to approach your encounters, and I alternated. You know, sometimes I did it more stealthily. Sometimes I kept trying to like kill enemies from above. Sometimes that was more like just kind of using a lot of gadgets, and sometimes I'd just go the old school samurai way with the Stand what's it called the standoff. Yeah. yeah. 
just standoff, especially after you unlock the Sakai clan armor that gives you, you extra to five. Yeah. Yeah. And then just kind of just kind of go through them that way. Um, which um, which armor which armor did you uh, well, what was your favorite armor to use, by the way, or which ones did you use the most? I used the traveler the most because I always wanted to find the records and stuff and I was too lazy to go to something else. Uh, <laughs> but I would deliberately go out of my way when I'm in the I'm on the open world, like just traveling and I would see like a, a clan or like a like a, a group of mongols just traveling on horseback or whatever i would quickly like mm-hmm. toggle to and change the my armor to the sakai armor so that way i can mm-hmm. just use the standoff and kill them all in one go without having to fight them yep absolutely i actually switched uh between a few different armors a lot i used both of those uh but then i also used uh the ronin uh attire in the beginning because it's better for stealth and then eventually i started using the ghost um the ghost armor for that and i less, think less all of the uh, other ones, less kills necessary yeah. to get to ghost stance yeah yes there's there's that uh and i think i used all of them at least like you know once or twice a little bit you know whenever i would unlock a new piece of armor i would use it a little bit just kind of for fun uh to make sure i i tried them all i guess um all right let's uh and also i wish that you could buy some kind of repel like the item in Pokemon <laughs> or whatever, so that because <laughs> those those search parties did feel like Zubats, at, <laughs> Zubats in a cave at certain certain oh points in the game. Yeah, they were a little inconvenient because I'm trying to go somewhere and they're like sort of standing in my way and stuff. Um, yep. You know, actually, I I I thought of a little mini negative that I kind of kind of wish to you know vent out. Throw the, it at me. The game's flower economy is a little too much. And I'm going to say yes. that I'm the type of person that wants to unlock every skin. What do you call it? Like, what do they call it? Like every color? Uh, or... The, vi- uh, it's not visuals. It's uh, aesthetics. Yeah, or, yeah. Uh... Whatever that is. Basically, you have to collect like flower petals or just flowers and stuff like that to give to the merchant so that way he can dye. Yeah, the, the dyes. So you can dye your costume to like a different color and stuff like that. Yes. And I want every single color possible and i didn't get it by the time the game was over i got like maybe i don't know a quarter of it half of it i don't know but the what kind of sucks is that the dye merchants and every town give different things like they don't that's not like one uniform there are um there are repeats but you're right um there are certain things that you can get in like most of them but then there's a bunch of unique stuff as well and yeah certain towns have like exclusive ones especially there's like the black dye merchant and the white dye merchant yep and then on top of that like there's like this merchant has these colors and then that merchant over there has these colors but they're not like i kind of wish there were more pokemon in the sense of like where you go to one mart and then you have all the items you know at every at all times or or maybe there there could have been like one merchant in the game that was that you knew had everything yes. right? or something like that. Yes. Um I agree. I I think that whole uh and I think it was cosmetics the word that yes, we were thinking yes. of, at least cosmetics. the word that I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah, cosmetics, yeah. Um I I kind of felt like that part of the game seemed like a little bit of an afterthought as well. Um I thought it was a little weird even with the dialogue like when you find the the special merchants they're like oh if you bring me the right materials i'm the only one that can do this thing but then you're just giving them the same flowers you give to every other merchant <laughs> so it almost to me it felt a little weird like i almost wish that those were like little quests instead where you're supposed to like bring certain certain materials instead to get certain things and 
it felt a little arbitrary that you're just finding all these random flowers throughout the world and that's just the currency basically um yeah like honestly like the flowers were too much like i think the most expensive item should be five flowers not 20 um yeah there's a lot of flowers it took 10 or 15 or whatever it takes a long time to get that many flowers the game doesn't just give you flowers out the ass you know yeah you know what's funny is that i did not like for the first like 40 hours that i played this game i did not buy a single cosmetic and then i i was like okay let me go do that and then i was able to buy so much because i had accumulated like you know over 100 flowers or whatever i was just buying them buying them buying them and then after that because i used all my flowers then it was like it would take forever for me to like have enough to go and get something else um yeah so i totally agree with that total uh, afterthought unbalanced part of the game I was constantly like buying things one at a time uh, and saving up for the entire game, my entire playthrough, just saving up for one thing. And it just never ended. And I just kind of wish that by the time it was all said and done, I kind of wish that I had everything from a cosmetic mm-hmm. standpoint. And the, there is a thing in the game where you, um, I don't know if you know this, but like you can buy waypoints or whatever. So like you can buy where the, the, the next um, flags are, the records are, the where the where the the hot springs are like you can basically have the game tell you you know the wind guides you and Mm -hmm. one of the ones that you can get at the end is like you can use the wind to guide you to the nearest flower and Mm. i did that for like five minutes and i got like 10 flowers like in like back to back to back and it would it would feel like having already beat the game it would feel like i would need to spend like two three hours just farming flowers just to maybe be, get all the cosmetics. And I don't know if it's yeah. worth doing that. And I barely mess with the cosmetics, by the way. I mean, I did, I obviously targeted what I wanted the most, like my favorite colors, like being blue or whatever. Mm. So like, I definitely got to like pimp out my costumes in a way that I saw fit, but I didn't get every option and I don't like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I totally get that. And I agree. Uh, that's one of the, I think this game has a lot of like interesting, like rooms for improvement for the sequel. If they are working on a sequel, and I think that's one of them. One last um, thing, all right, and uh, before yeah. we move on, is just I just want to talk about cosmetics. When you be when you get every single hot spring, first off, on episode sixty nine of Ready Press Play, we did a video game like like <laughs> d- daddies or whatever, or waifus or whatever, and we got to throw in Jin Sakai and that and that that nice ass right there <laughs> that he just yeah. that he yeah. got to show off a lot. <laughs> he got to show sure. off every For time sure. he got in the spring. So that's like we gotta we gotta nick somebody and add in Jin. Dude, okay. I I thought that was so goofy the first time I saw it because it's like it, you know you're in the middle of this war, right? Like this <laughs> this uh, your island has been you know taken over by these Mongols and this game is like super serious and dark and then you find like you know a hot spring. Oh, let me get completely naked and just go chill here for a second. <laughs> and then he's like chilling in there and then it's like you know choose two things to reflect about and then it's like hmm. No, Kenji sake is very yummy. It's like maximum <laughs> health increase. It's just, there's some of those sequences that almost look comical if you just kind of took that moment out of like, out of context. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, it's, anyways, it was good. It was when, good stuff. When, when you get every single hot spring done, you get fondushi as your, as your, uh, your cosmetic. And I don't know, do you know what fondushi is? Did you, did you wear it? No, I did not. You didn't, did you get every hot spring or you didn't? No, uh, I guess I did not. Okay. I, I don't remember. Yeah. All right. Well, when you get every single hot, sp- uh, hot spring, uh, Fondushi is basically like 
uh, like this loincloth that like the Japanese would wear and they would wrap it around them. And it's basically like their underwear, like just wearing nothing but <laughs> underwear, like less than that. Oh, that's like, really funny. Less than that. So like cheeks, like some of your ass cheeks are showing through it. And uh, uh-huh. um, literally um, another Breath of the Wild comparison, because in the game in Breath of the Wild, you're in, un- you're, you're in basically boxer briefs. And in this game, you're in, you're in fondushi. <laughs> and uh, and it's like so unrealistic because I actually did wear uh, the fondushi because I got the game. I obviously got the last hot spring in, in Act Three, and I spent most of my time up up north in the snowy winter, fucking snowing. And then so here it is, my character Jin Sakai walking, running around this winter storm, fucking snowing and stuff, and just nothing but underwear, barefoot, <laughs> <laughs> and swimming in this cold. What I could only assume below freezing water or whatever. But he's just casually just oh, swimming in it and stuff like that. And yeah, um, you you can literally wear just undies. And uh, his character gets a a stealth a stealth boost for wearing it. Like, um, you know, how, like in, when you're stealthing around and you have to like basically crouch walk and you don't make any noise. Mm-hmm. Well, you can sprint in the in the fondushi and basically make no noise either. And you can just sneak up and kill people. <laughs> Because you don't make any oh, footsteps, man. like you don't, you don't, you're not wearing boots, you know. So I just thought that that was funny. That's like a very good, uh, interesting collectible, and uh, hats off to the developers for making that a thing. <laughs> so yeah. Yep. Well, sounds like the game has a lot of fun Easter eggs. Um, I did a quick like Google earlier, and there's there's interesting stuff references to other games as well that you can go look at it. They they did just kind of want to have some fun with it as well, which is cool. Um. All right, so it's time to address the elephant in the room. Okay. Um, we're going to talk about the ending mm. of the game. Um, so obviously there's this dichotomy between uh, Jin's ways and the samurai way, which is best uh, personified by Lord Shimura throughout the game. And uh, the ending of the first act involves Jin sa- saving and rescuing Lord Shimura from, from you know, Mongol imprisonment imprisonment um on act two uh shimura and jin get to work together to take back a castle from the mongols and in act three uh shimura and jin are basically enemies uh you know you're you're a fugitive he's really become the ghost as they call it in the game um and after you have your final showdown against Khan, uh you actually sort of have a a final showdown against uh, your uncle Lord Shimura as well. Um, so, which, so where do you want to? Which, by the way, take this? like I actually thought that the game would end during uh, the Code and Con or Co- I'm seeing that. Yes, yeah. I thought the game was ending there because the game was like balls to the wall with action, so much scripting, and like you have to duel with yeah. him first, and then you have to fight everyone wave after wave, and he's part of the fight. Like, um, it's a great, great ending right there. By the way, yeah. Like if it, I would have thought that was a little bit a great way to end the game. You're like you 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 duel him, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool because like you got to duel so many other characters throughout the game, and then now you're dueling, you know, Cotton Con, uh, and that makes sense. But then when you when you beat him, you don't fully beat him. And then the thing that I liked about the sequence after that is that then because in the duels you're, you're they're very minimalistic. You can only you know use your basic combat abilities. So then later it was like, oh, okay. So I you couldn't fully beat him just in the duel, which I I look at as the the samurai way. Now you gotta beat him, you know, with the ability to use everything else, right? You know, yeah. just fucking 
you know, throw throw all your bombs and gadgets and shit at this fucker, right? And just get it done with, right? So it was cool that you got to do that while also fighting all the other Mongols as well and stuff. So yeah, I just love that whole. I gotta sequence. now. I remember what I wanted to say earlier. Like I said, I lost my train of thought like a long time ago, and now I wanted to bring up the beginning of uh, Act One where you have like the the fight. You have an early mm-hmm. early fight with Code uh, and Khan, and you get thrown off a bridge, right? And do you remember that mm-hmm. part? Okay. So yes. apparently, I looked it up on YouTube, but apparently you can't kill him. Like even when he get his health to zero, he's still fighting you, and it's and it's basically like a the game is basically soft lock essentially. You have to let him beat you in order for the mm-hmm. game to progress, and that's one of the things that like we did a we did a one game at a time for what was it? Um, Track Toyomi. Track Toyomi, yeah. We did we did one of those, and uh, we, there's an early ending by beating the boss the first time you fight him. You know, an early mm-hmm. an early ending, and I feel like this game should have had one of those early endings, if or something. If we were, if somebody was bad enough, badass enough to beat him without any unlockable abilities and stuff like that, or you know, all that stuff. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, hey, it would have been a fun like secret ending and stuff, but I feel like developers are afraid of doing that kind of shit because it's like <laughs> you're just kind of giving whatever player does that, you're kind of giving them a subpar experience and not the full. I mean, story of the game that you'd like to give them but there are better ways to do it than how they did it there's a far cry game where you can just i don't know beat the game in yeah. five minutes or something like that i don't know but uh, yeah it's i think it's a ballsy thing to do i just i i just don't think all developers are down to do it um <laughs> but the 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 alternative though is to just make it so that you know whenever uh whenever his health gets to under like a third or whatever the hell it just triggers a cutscene, you know and he's running away or something yeah um um go ahead but anyways so yeah the 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 ending itself is is very impactful because i used i actually thought that you know the big finisher was the uh was the um was the the fight with code and con like that's the that was like the main driving force like that's the climax right and when i was playing the game and you're talking to your uncle and he's just sort of like sort of there but not there like it almost kind of felt like we were going into epilogue territory where things were just going to sort of like wind down and things they were going to come to an understanding yeah. like you didn't I didn't actually see it coming where it was a fight between him because like it just sort of felt like you, the, the the way you sort of think about these things from a narrative perspective is that these characters are supposed to make amends yeah um, and that didn't sure. quite happen the way you think that way and uh and it was such an interesting like little dialogue choice that 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 Sakai had uh, where he's like He's like when uh, Ashimura says that you have no honor, and then he replies back, "And you are a slave to it." You know, so like, it mm-hmm. just sort of, yeah, it just sort of hits you in the feels, and it just sort of feels like you're in this like gridlock where no both no one's right and no one's wrong, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think this game would have ended in a situation where if Sakai did the honorable thing and played it with no ghosts at all. He would never have rescued his uncle. The island would have fallen yeah. under a Mongol rule. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's the interesting thing to think about, which is that what justifies Sakai's journey is the fact that the samurai lost. Like they lost to the Mongols. Like they, the island was lost. Like from the beginning of the game, the island is lost. There's nothing they can do, and he's able to turn it around. Uh, because he's willing to do what it takes and um it is true in real world history that the mongols beat the japanese because of that because they because the japanese were 
in in certain ways the japanese warriors were uh, slaves to their honor and they were not willing to play dirty fight dirty and the mongols were and so that gave them an advantage and it's this interesting idea that that's just what it took that's what it took to be able to fight back um and I do think that the game is there's a, a nice, like a cool examination of the consequences of it too. Like, yes, that was what it took, but there's also consequences to doing that. Uh, an interesting example of that is how Jin uses the poison to poison everybody at the end of Act 2. And then on Act 3, you get to see that the Mongols have now learned about that poison and they're using it against and the then, Japanese. And they're afraid of the ghosts too, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there, there's like the 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 writing in that perspective is really well done because they do kind of figure out inter interesting ways to kind of give you these like I don't know um what it's called like these moral conundrums right to like think about um but yeah I feel like in a lot of ways they were indicating that you were gonna have like some kind of confrontation with uh, with the uncle but I also didn't expect you to have to fight him until like right before it because I. I was thinking it was going to be more of like a dialogue confrontation. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, but no, you get to actually fight him. You duel him, uh, which is like the same duel mechanics that you get to do like 10 other times in the game before that. Um, and then um, you uh, you beat him. And once you beat him, you have a choice. And it's like the biggest choice you have in the game. One that influences the ending, which is to, do you spare Lord Shimura and walk away, even though, you know, he asked for an honorable death. Or do you actually kill him? And uh, what choice did you pick? You know, this is one of those choices that you can't come back from. There's no do-overs. And uh, <laughs> you, you, with each, I looked at it on YouTube, what the other ending is. And basically, each ending gives you a different house. And it gives you mm -hmm. a different skin that you can't, you know, you can't have both. Um, I'm going to tell you that I had a save right before that and i got i got to pick one and then later i went back and i you got fucking to bitch <laughs> yeah i didn't do that you could actually save you could actually save in the choice interesting you could save right you could pause the game and save right there which was interesting but anyway go ahead interesting i chose uh to, to spare him like i same i i felt like canonically that that would be the right thing to do um you know actually i don't know like I think that the uncle is doomed to die anyways, because even if he were to like report back to like, like head HQ or whatever, like the main Island, like they would have him like kill himself on the spot. Probably pr pretty much. It's like, you need to kill yourself. Mm -hmm. You've just, you've, you've got no, you've, you've got no honor. You've been dishonored kind of stuff. You lost kind of stuff. Yeah. I think he would be doomed to die anyways, but like, I just don't think that for me personally, like me reading into the narrative, it doesn't make sense for 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 Jin to kill his uncle because, like I said earlier in the conversation, like these characters, neither character is wrong. So for me right. to kill him is like he doesn't he done nothing wrong. He's doing what he needs to do, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. And I uh, especially after seeing both endings, like if you if you choose to spare Shimura, you you uh. You kind of have like a what what comes across like a happier ending. Uh, if you kill him, like you get like this very dark, like it, it just the 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 part with the house and stuff at the end just kind of feels darker. It has this like darker vibe to it. I even think it's like nighttime versus daytime, yeah, and stuff like that. Um, so I do think kind of like the right choice and the canonical ending is to spare um the uncle. Which is what I did, and it's one of those things where I just couldn't bring myself to. <laughs> I just couldn't bring myself to kill him, right? Because I, I, I didn't think he wasn't a bad guy either. He was just, 
he was just too stuck in his ways and he wasn't able to uh, look past it. And it's also one of those things where he kind of doesn't have a choice because otherwise he's a criminal too, you know? Right. Um. So I, you know, I, I, he's I just got doing it his job, and, you know? <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, it was very sad to see though. It was very sad how they have this entire build up, you know, between their relationship and on act two, like him talking about making Jen his son and having him basically be the, the heir to the to the island you know um to because because shimura kind of rules the feels like he rules like the whole thing basically yeah um it's uh yeah it's uh that was uh another gut-wrenching thing uh you had to go through at the at the end there as well it's it's definitely not a not a happy story it has yeah. its happy moments yeah but... <laughs> yeah uh, by the way good job on the voice acting whenever i watched the cutscene where he did kill him and stuff and he's like yeah like you know like mm-hmm. and crying and stuff and i was like oh damn he just he just you know that's a that's a video game award-winning performance right there for best performance which i kind of wish that there was some, like uh you know two categories for male and female because uh, then mm-hmm. that way uh laura bailey could have won and so could have so could have the actor that played Jin. Um, I I have to say though that I I feel like I nothing against the voice I thought the voice acting was good for all the characters in the game and stuff but Jin as a character he just doesn't have a lot of range I felt like you know aside from like a few moments like that I feel like the majority of the game he was very uh I don't know like poker face he's like you know what I mean he's like, like Link okay <laughs> yeah he's he's very uh he's very calm basically he's just always he doesn't lose his cool yeah. <laughs> i mean in like a lot of moments um fair enough i'll, yeah, I'll take so. that one <laughs> um but regardless you know that's kind of a little bit uh, a little bit of a tangent right there on that did you did you play in japanese i played in english or in english english i played it in english as well mm. i i was thinking he would have played in japanese though. Nah. i i started i actually started the game in japanese and then i uh like i switched like an hour in because <laughs> I got tired of reading out the dialogue and it's it's funny that I I watch stuff with subtitles all the time but for whatever reason I said this in the Trek to Yomi talk as well with with games is a little different because I think that games are already Involved. like everything else is already so mentally intensive like I you know I'm already fo- I'm, I want to focus on like the fight and like everything else and I want to be able to kind of relax and not have to worry about the dialogue be able to consume the dialogue while multitasking, you know what I mean? Like doing other things in the game and stuff, yeah. not being distracted. I even had the English so. subtitles on anyways. So even when that happened, I was still like, it, yeah, the game is already mentally yeah. taxing. Playing games is already taxing enough as it is. Yeah. There's a, there are a couple other things though, uh, as before we start wrapping up here, uh, there's number one, I kind of wish that I wrote down some haikus to tell you, like, you know, I feel like <laughs> we should have compared haikus for this review. Um, yeah, I think some of them were very poetic and stuff, but you know, I wonder like whether how many permutations there are because like you get basically three things at each for each line. So how many like how many permutations well, can you have per uh, three three times three nine times three again twenty seven. Mm. So there's twenty seven ah, different okay. options for each haiku. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And then so yeah, twenty seven ways to make one haiku for one headband. You know. Um, yes. And so yeah, I wanted to see like we we could have how how close we were or how off we were like maybe not even at all you know. There um, were so many of them, by the way. I I almost kind of feel like that was overdone a little <laughs> bit. Like I when I was just kind of like trying to check the boxes and complete stuff, I got kind of tired. <laughs> I got kind of tired of those. I'm not gonna lie. Um, um, 
and then the other thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the bamboo strikes. Like, oh yes, I I liked them, and they were so like, how do I put it? They were they were like a, like a thorn on my side because I wanted to be to get it right on the first try. You know how like it's three, then five, then seven. Yeah, and. I don't know about you, but I only did it twice. I only accomplished it twice where I had the perfect run in two bamboo, mm. uh, two bamboo strikes where like I got it right on the first, the third, the three buttons, the five buttons and the seven buttons back to back to back. Perfect. And then again, the second mm. time that happened twice. And then every single time, especially on the seven button press, like I would do it like five, six, seven, eight times or 10 times until I finally got it right. I don't know about you, but how did you fare? Uh, I didn't track it, but I feel like I did well. I actually, like, especially towards the end of the game, I feel like I did not struggle with those too much. I would pretty much just go in there and, and do them. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I, I don't know why. I would expect it to be the other way around because you're the fighting game guy. Um, But, no, I, I didn't really... Um, I don't know. I, there were some that I messed up and I would have to do again, but I feel like... I feel like I feel like there are multiple where I was able to just kind of do it at once. Mm, I can't. I'm not really good at Simon Says on controllers, by the way. Like in general, like something about mm-hmm. my way my brain is wired. Like I can't just just do like L1 circle triangle. You know, like that kind of in quick succession. I have to sort of think about it. Yeah. Each press. And then like with sometimes it'd be like you took too long or whatever. You know, or when I'm trying to like butt rush it and stuff. Like you pressed the wrong button. So. Yeah. You know what? There was one that fucked me up a little bit, which was the one where it was like it repeated the same button a lot. It was like X X X X X square triangle or something <laughs> like that. And for whatever Fair reason, enough. I just kept doing like I would do like one more or one less like off the X or whatever. Um but yeah, it was a cool little like I don't know, like there are a lot of like tiny little like palette cleansers in the game. Um with things like that, you can kind of tell the way the game is like intended to be played, which is like Oh, you go and you do a story mission. Then you go and you do a side quest. Then you go and you do a bamboo strike. Then you go and you do a, <laughs> you know, uh, like a fox den and stuff. And then you go and you do the next story mission. You, and, you know, uh, actually, there, I did manage to find one fox den without having to find the fox. Did that happen? Oh, yeah. Just one time. That, uh, that I, happened just once by accident. I think accident. it did. Yeah. Especially with because they would give you the musical cue anyway, too. Yeah. I, I think that I did get it once and i think i remember that the fox just teleported like yes. the fox was just there yes anyway right that's exactly yeah. what happens so you, you've prayed at it and the fox just teleported and he's right there um but yeah that actually happened once and i'm like oh that's cool that's interesting um I at the, will, at the uh, very end go, go for it at the very end of the game when you get your ho- your house and stuff um like in the woods uh it is interesting that you can get to different houses in different locations uh, with different names depending on the ending. Uh-huh. Uh, but did you go through the house and interact with everything? You yes, played? it's all the interactables that you collected during your time in the game. Yeah, because I I really liked uh, I really liked that part. Like, cause it's it was almost like a nice like uh, wrap up to everything mm-hmm. and like a nice like nod to everything you did. Uh, you know, he's going through and it's like, oh yeah, this is from you know Yuna or whatever, and this is from Taka, and like there's little stories you know with all the characters and. Uh, it made my heart happy. It was like I I think that uh the, the, if they ended on the on the Lord Shimra confrontation, it would be too dark or too sad an an ending. Um, so I think that 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 bit with uh with the house and then encountering Yuna and stuff kind of helped like make it a little bit on the upper 
on the upside, I guess. And I and I do love that you're able to just kind of go out and play the game. Like so many of these games, what they'll do is like if you want to get more collectibles after you beat it, you have to when you play it, you play from the save. You have to play from the last autosave or whatever right before the boss fight. Yes. And and instead in this game, they're just like, no, you you did it. You know, just go and explore the world, do whatever you want to do. Get these leftover um, so Mongols and stuff like that. Um, yeah. The game also lets you replay like camps and stuff where you can just basically reload it as if you didn't clear it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really cool. Um, I like the uh, I like the uh, the straw hat um, fights for some reason. I don't know why, but they're always just sitting there, standing yes. there waiting for you at this most like some of them were like in this flower field and shit like that or in the water. And it's like, oh, damn so beautifully staged and stuff like that Uh, (laughs) but yeah there were it was cool they did they had little different personalities as well by the way yes like there was one guy that looked like he didn't want to fight or whatever or some somebody else was like killing other people while waiting for you and yeah yeah so i just think that that was really cool that was that shout out to that and also being able to replay them uh, but yeah, uh, ultimately, like, I think I rolled credits at like almost exactly at 60 hours. And then it took me like an extra hour of just collecting or an extra, an hour or two of just collecting collectibles and trophy hunting. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, yeah, it was, it was definitely for me, I think it was worth the platinum. Um, I kind of wish that for this review that we got to interact with the multiplayer stuff. We never did. Um, but you know whatever i mean this is just a review of the game itself we don't need to talk about the what is it the legend stuff or whatever so yeah that i think that even was added later right and um yeah the other thing too if you play on the director's cut is that it includes i don't know if your version of the game had this actually there's an expansion or a dlc yeah the dlc island yeah yeah the Iki island and i almost (laughs) i almost went into that by accident because you can uh that's trouble you can kick it off like uh at any point during act two is just like there's just a part in the map where like it kicks off that quest and you uh you started by i started by accident because i I was just passing by, you're like, you're riding through this beach, and then there's some shit going on, like some enemies or whatever, and you go and you interact with it, or, you know, kill the enemies, save somebody, whatever, and then that basically starts the quest, that's like, it's like the, the Iki Island quest, and then I, I sort of realized, like, oh, wait, like, I don't want to do this right now, and then I just kind of <laughs> left the, <laughs> left the quest, like, you know, just barely started, and then went to, uh, went to do other things, but... Yeah, it's kind of interesting. There's like a whole, there's this whole other area for you to uh to go to and and do stuff. And uh yeah, this this game. I mean, there's I mean, we could even talk. I know we we won't, but we could even talk more about this game because there's so many things that they do, like so many tropes. And I mean, there's the bit where you lose all your equipment, you know, and you just gotta uh you know sneak out, which you know Zelda games do that, <laughs> and so many other games do that and stuff. And um. You know, you get like we talked about how you get the second horse eventually, and you get to name him again. And um, you know, a character that we didn't talk about is uh, Yuriko. That also has uh some uh, quests. She's like the like the house maiden or something for the Sakai family. Um, that was interesting oh, man. as well. She but was yeah, losing her mind. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a. That was a sad one at the end too. I was kind of wondering with that one, like it almost seemed to hint like she she might have had some kind of weird relationship with jen's father uh, father. yeah yeah 
like a lover, like a mistress kind of thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure, but there was, there was something odd there. There, there, she seemed very close to him and she was confusing Jin with him and stuff. Mm -hmm. But overall, just, there's so much to this game. Uh, I think it's definitely worth it. Uh, worth the playthrough. Uh, it is really good. We, we did dissect pretty much all the negatives (laughs) in it. Uh, but ultimately I feel like all of that together just, um, doesn't bring it down that much because what the game gets right, it gets really right. Um, and you know, I, I even think I, I came out of this conversation feeling more positive about the story than I did in the beginning, because there are a lot of cool moments, especially, you know, towards the second half, I think of the, Mm. of the game story wise. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a marvelous, it's a marvelous, (laughs) it's a marvelous game for us. Uh, we're in agreement, but yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, well, Lewis, any, any, anything else? No, I threw it all down. I laid it all out on the floor, and uh, yeah, I, I actually, st- I actually pulled up a notepad on my computer and started like jotting down stuff that I wanted to cover, and everything's been uh, crossed off my list. Awesome sauce. Uh, so this has been great. It is time to end. Thank you so much for joining us for the third episode of One Game at a Time. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a nice review, and tell your friends about the show. You can find the podcast at Ready Press Play on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at PowerUpDan and Lewis. At Chocolaka88. We come back in uh, probably a few weeks or something with uh, Stray. That's our tentative next game. See you next time. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you.